Genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we are, conc- we are concluding our miniseries yeah. on the Rocky franchise uh, with Creed 2, 2018 Creed's 2, directed by Stephen Cable <laughs> Creed- Jr. Creed's 2. Creed's 2. <laughs> <laughs> the the creeds creeds comma uh, two exclamation <laughs> point creeds two <laughs> it's like an old like Saul Bally Pink Panther kind of thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and we do not have a guest joining us to talk about uh, returns to Russia the ego and see I like I I I, I the problem with these scripts is I, I feel like any Rocky movie, I could say legacy, fatherhood, mortality. Sure. Yeah. Um, but we don't have a guest. Just do no. us. Yeah, it's just us again. It's um. I feel like people it, are like, how did you guys not have guests for the Creed movies? And you know what? I'm wondering the same thing. And yet, here we are. Because it's just, sometimes it's tough getting guests. Like, it's just tough. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we... We did. We did have a cool guest lined up for the first Creed. In for our, both, for both. That's true. And yeah. then, uh, you know, we're getting we're, we're getting closer to the holiday. Yeah, to the big holiday, as they uh-huh. say. Um, and so yeah, people's schedules are. But yeah, do you kind of? I kind of feel like this movie in general is slept on. Creed two. Oh yeah, Creed two. Well, because I, I think I think the problem with Creed two is um. Uh, you know, it's it's not as good as Creed, mm. but and and it also like I I think people you know the way that people are like, well, Rocky's a good movie, but all the sequels are bad, or like all the sequels are like whatever. You know, um, I think that I remember the reaction to Creed getting a sequel being like, oh, here we go, they're doing it again. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're just turning it into the Rocky franchise. Um, and yeah, I think in general too, I think this one just got buried because like the fall of 2018 was big for this type of movie, like this sort of, I don't want to call this Oscar baity, but it is in that realm of movie type, the drama, you know, like adult skewing dramas. Totally. And there, there was like. We were we had an overabundance of that in in 2018. It was it was a big year for that because it was like, um, I mean the big widows. one. What's that? Uh, widows. Sure, widows. Um, and then the but the big one was um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the other the the Lady Gaga one. Um, a Star is Born. A Star is Born. Those two like just 
kind of blew the doors down in terms of like adult dramas and it that that you know that fall into winter and i just think that creed 2 just didn't stand a chance and you can say that with authority you 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 saw those droves firsthand uh-huh. as the manager of a movie theater yeah i mean <laughs> you know what <laughs> i mean when we saw this right we saw this at the the arc light uh hollywood in the cinerama dome mm-hmm. and we were we saw this on opening night like the the thursday preview or whatever and we were two of maybe eight people in the entire dome and for those of you who don't know what the cinerama dome is it's the one that's like heavily featured in once upon a time in hollywood the the quentin tarantino movie um but it's it's you know it's the one that says like cinerama on the outside of it and like it it holds i think uh, i want to say like 900 people um something like that and it's just big and it's wide and it's uh a ton and ton of seats cuz all the seats are like old fashioned because it's a historical landmarks you, uh, and you have you, to use the old seats it's almost like an annex so you you kind of go into a different little building when you go to the mm-hmm. cinerama dome so it's like you're go- taking a little mini field trip yeah in inside of going to the movies right right so anyway so we're in this giant theater huge giant theater um biggest theater in existence when it was built in the 60s um and yeah there was like eight other people in there <laughs> I I had forgotten that we saw this at the dome. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'll never forget that we saw this in the dome, uh, because of what happened. And I don't remember. Do you remember when in the movie it happened, Scott? I have to confess. I I I don't know what what story you're referring to. Oh, okay. So I need reminding. We, okay, so so when we saw Creed two, um. We sat so so the way that the the way that the theater works or that particular auditorium works is that there are um, sort of like, you know, like at a, at a regular like concert venue, you have like three sections on the floor. Right. You have like the left section, right section, center section. And then you have and then at this this you have like you go up a few steps and then there's a back section that is a little raised up a little bit and also has three sections. And that's that's this theater is like it's massive and that's how it's sort of set up and we were sort of sat in the middle of the center section on the floor um and because you know we like to we like to sit somewhat close uh good rule of thumb with the dome is like the more like if you're going to see avengers endgame those seats going closer to the screen those are going to be the first to go and then the further back you get from the screen those would be like you know the last to get packed off Uh uh-huh um and so we're sitting in like center middle which is like my favorite area in the dome to sit because basically the dome the screen like kind of like wraps around the sides a little bit um and so it like fills up your entire peripheral peripheral vision um when you're when you're sitting in there um and without like adding any elements like imax uh does um with the whole four by three thing so anyway uh that was a lot of like super nerdy (laughs) theatrical presentation stuff um but uh point is we were sitting there everyone else in the theater 
was sitting up in the balcony area. The other like eight people. And it was two groups. And uh, at some point we were watching the movie and commotion started happening behind us. And I looked and the two the there were two guys literally wailing on each other like a fight had broken out. And I was like, oh, my God, because like I I work here. I am not at work, but I work oh, here. Yeah. And so I had to run out and tell somebody. So I run out and, and the dome has its own lobby. Right. Um, where you can get your own. It's like its own concession stand and everything. We went to the last showing of the night. And what they do is after everybody goes into the dome, they'll close up the concessions and then usually like take one of those people, depending on who closes. Look, after this night, this never happened again. But on my watch, when I closed that theater, I never let I, I somebody had to stay in there because like you said, it's a little it's like an annex thing. And the reason for that is because it's like a historical monument. And so like you can't. um can do any construction on it that will change the form of the building that exists. So basically like the arc light built a whole building behind the Cinerama dome, which with like 16 other theaters. Right. But then that theater, that auditorium has to be separate. So you walk outside, you get your ticket from, from inside the arc light building, you walk outside and then you enter the Cinerama dome and go see the screening there. Um, so it's like a separate building. Everything about it is separate. And so I have to, I, I run out into the lobby and the manager that night had decided to use the person who was supposed to be babysitting the Cinerama Dome somewhere else, probably sent somebody home and then used them somewhere else. Cause at the end of the night, there's not a lot to do. You're all just sort of waiting around for the last shows to go. And most nights that's fine because like nothing happens and everybody just watches the movie and it's chill and it's whatever. But for that night I ran out there to go get help and there was no one there. It was completely the, the concessions were completely shut down. Everything was dark in the lobby and I was like, Oh no. And so Meanwhile, there is a full-blown fight breaking out in Creed 2. I have to run into the uh, into the arc light. The door back into the arc light is locked because they don't want people coming in off the street. And when you leave your theater at the Cinerama Dome, you're not going back into the main the the main arc light building. You're going to your car, to the garage, or whatever. And so, like, they don't need people to come back in there. And so I'm banging on the door because I don't have my my keys because we leave our building keys, you know, locked up. Um, or maybe I wasn't even locking or I wasn't even working that day. So I didn't even think to bring my my theater. Right. Because there were two kinds of movie dates for us. There were like, oh, Scott's going to literally like log, log off work or whatever. <laughs> so whatever the yeah, real yeah, life version out. of that used yeah, to be. Yeah, I was going to clock, clock out. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he would like we would meet in the theater or there were times when like you wouldn't be working that day. And we would drive from like our apartment to the movies and you'd be right, off, right. off duty. Totally. Totally. This might've been an off, off duty night. Um, but in any event, I'm banging on the door. I finally get somebody's attention. It's raining by the way. <laughs> it's also <laughs> raining, which is also weird because this is Los Angeles and it never rains, but it was raining. Mm -hmm. I come in, um, I'm like wet and I have to run into the office and tell the manager on duty that there's a fight break that has broken out. And I was like, but it happened like 
three minutes ago, anything could have happened in three minutes. And we go in there and one group has completely left and the other one is left there and they're acting like nothing happened. Um, and just totally gaslighting that we saw them literally, I mean, literally like one was holding the other one and punching them in the face. I mean, it was intense. It was, I've never seen a fight like that before. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was crazy. And then, and then, uh, I was like, okay, well, I guess it's over. Uh, maybe you should think about leaving somebody in this building every night. Uh, I'm going to watch this movie now. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Can sat you... back down with you. So what's troubling to me about that is I had no memory of that. And I wow. still don't remember. I don't remember when I was watching Creed 2 today for the second time. I didn't have the thought of like, oh, yeah, this was the part of the movie where I heard that weird fight. Right. Can you remember how I reacted to all of this happening? Was I just completely absorbed by Creed too? I I feel like I feel like your reaction to the situation was uh, akin to like <laughs> to like you know the Kermit the Frog drinking the tea. I'm just like that's none of my business. <laughs> I'm just like that doesn't that doesn't have to. I don't work at this arc light. <laughs> you know this doesn't hey. have anything to do with me. <laughs> It's not happening in the Sherman Oaks. I don't see it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think I think that was kind of your reaction to it. Um, man, That's we crazy. saw a lot of movies together in that in that uh, Cinerama Dome. You know, they say that you never know when you're living in a golden age. Yeah. And, you know, I think you and I are doing better in a lot of ways than we were back then. But those were really happy times. Yeah. And, Kind of, you know, we would just like we just had free golden tickets to this like palace. Yeah, I'll never, that, I'll never forget going to the dome and watching Alita: Battle Angel with you. Oh yeah, and and the this the minute that he brings out that giant battle axe and we both lost our minds. <laughs> that was yeah, and we're like, oh yes, this is yeah. great. Oh, that's what this movie is. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that was great because like, it was like you and I found that together. Mm-hmm. It felt like, yeah, uh, yeah, we had no idea that it was about to close too. So yeah, it just felt like- and it still is, still is mm-hmm. closed. Um, hopefully, it, I mean, it's supposedly you know opening again at some point. Yeah, and I can't <laughs> wait to go there. Um, There's persistent rumors. I I am hopeful that I am making enough money in the future that I can uh, get rid of my AMC pass and just start buying tickets to the Arclight again or to the have, whatever. What What is it? What are they calling it now? The Dome Theater or something like that? Hollywood oh, Dome yeah. Theater? The Hollywood Dome. Yeah, something like that. Um, um, anyway. I told you, I, I, so I haven't told you this yet, but I've been developing this theory here in Los Angeles, not to get to LA, but you know, <laughs> I go to the movies more often than not. There's like applause and cheers for the Nicole Kitman ad. Yeah. And I think the reason why there is such like people are so into that in this town mm-hmm. is because a lot of those same people, they're like, where Nicole Kitman? They used to be Arclight people, but now there is no Arclight. Right. And we're all stuck here yeah. at AMC whether yeah. we like it or not. 
Yeah. This is the only place we can go. And the Nicole Kidman ad is just like a little slice of cake or a little like, like glimmer of like, oh yeah, we, this is kind of still a club and and fun. It's not just going to the airport for movies. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. I think, I think you're totally right on that. I think that's, that's what people are sort of like really hooking into, at least in Los Angeles. Um, Although I do think that the moment everyone turns on that ad is going to be when the new one hits. Yeah. Because they've replaced it. They're going to replace it. I assume it's going to hit probably like with Ant-Man or something, you know, some or maybe Megan. Maybe they're just holding out for Megan. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but like, uh, you know, it's going to be soon because they've already shot it and. Um, I, I assume it's going to start replacing everything. Uh, and when that happens, I think people are going to turn because it's like, wait, it doesn't start with her stepping in a puddle. Like, well, that's not the same thing. This, this is different. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, you know what Universal should do? They should shoot a Megan parody. Of- oh, oh my God. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That would be incredible. Um, um, so was this your first time seeing Creed two since you had to miss? That sounds like a good chunk of time, Scott, like 10 minutes. Uh, it was probably honestly, you know, it was probably all told about five minutes that I missed, um, would be my guess. Cause again, it's like when you're in a desperate situation, yeah, you know, waiting for somebody to see you and open the door feels like an eternity when really it was probably like 45 seconds. I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was the first time. So I've never seen it, I guess, in its entirety until I watched it just now. Um, it was just somewhere in the middle that I missed. I want to say. I want to say it was somewhere in the baby stuff. Like the early baby stuff is what okay. I missed, I think. Because um, uh, some of that felt fresh to me, but a lot of this felt felt fresh to me. And yeah, I do agree. I think that this was very slept on. And I think that, again, I think it was just uh, people rolling their eyes at the at the concept of doing a sequel to Creed in the same way that people rolled their eyes at the concept of an old man getting back into the boxing ring with Rocky Balboa, you know? Mm-hmm. And I yeah, think they just like, slept on it. But but then, but it seems like the reaction to Creed 3 seems to be super positive and, like, people are excited. Yeah. So I wonder if people, like, found this movie later on and was like, oh, I mean, it's not as good, but it's, like, it's good. Like, it's a good movie, you know? Yeah, I I think that's I think that's kind of the... You know, we talk on franchiseography. I, I thought a lot about what we, the conclusions we came through with the Jurassic franchise with this. Yeah. Um, with the when we came to the end of the Jurassic series on the show, I remember we kind of talked about a, like a more is more mentality, mm-hmm. like maybe a bunch of entertaining imperfect sequels is sometimes better than just one perfect movie and then nothing else. Yeah, and I think Creed two is like good enough and also a, like with Stephen capable like with Stephen capable jr mm-hmm. like him being a first-time director there's enough good in this mm-hmm. that it's like a building movie a building block movie and without this i don't think you get to what you're saying of people being really psyched for creed 3 it seems like right the only thing i will say about this movie especially watching it now 
with the understanding that Sylvester Stallone will very likely never play Rocky Balboa again um, because he he calls he calls the producer of uh, of the Rocky and Creed franchise a hack and he calls his kids uh, talentless like and says all kinds of real mean shit about them. Um, and so I don't, I don't think, and they own the rights. And so I just don't think he's ever going to play Rocky Balboa again. Cause I don't think they would ever hire him to be in another one of these Creed movies. And I don't think he'll ever want to work with them again. I think it all comes down to them nixing his Rocky prequel TV series that he wanted to mm. do. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, they nixed that. They were like, no, mm-hmm. you can't. And I think that's when he was like, oh, the gloves are off. Rocky's in a street fight. Here we go. Like, <laughs> you know, get ready because you're going to get a garbage can thrown at your head. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I don't I don't see that relationship um, mending itself anytime soon. And so as a final film to feature Rocky Balboa, a little lackluster. Sure. As a Adonis Creed film, solid. Great. Really, really enjoy it, you know? Um, but uh but yeah, the Rocky of it all of it all does put a bad taste in my mouth. But I don't blame anyone who made this movie for that. It's mm-hmm. the events that followed the making of this movie that have retroactively made this Rocky's final film that feels unsatisfying. Well- it's interesting, Scott. Um, so we we we've talked about the on uh, off mic. You and I have talked about the struggles of doing newer movies. Is mm-hmm. uh, no one has spilt the tea yet? They haven't. Yeah. Not enough time has passed to be like this guy fucked us, or like this person was drunk or would come out of his trailer or whatever or what have you, or yeah. like you know. So I've had to. Re- I mostly use a lot of like promotional interviews and material like that. For research on Creed 2. Sure. And the narrative at the time, circa autumn 2018, uh, from everyone from Stallone to Capel Jr. to Michael B. Jordan, was that this was Rocky's final appearance in the franchise. Hmm. Uh, I found like uh, like one of those TV interviews, like, you know, with the Creed 2 logo behind Michael B. Jordan, where he's like, yeah, like, uh, Stallone had a moment with me behind the camera, kind of similar to the scene in Creed 2 where he's like, it's your time now. Uh, and like on Instagram, Stallone made like a post of like, this is probably going to be my last time playing the character. It's time for me to pass things on to uh, Michael B. Jordan and this next generation. And so like that was already kind of like the narrative that they were saying in like press drunkens and stuff. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily have to reflect like internal feelings. So it was just, I was trying to piece together an air of it. And I found this interesting fissure of like, wait, it was, they were already kind of setting up this being the end. Where does this animosity come from now going into Creed three? And maybe that Rocky series is that kind of missing puzzle piece. Yeah. I think that's the thing that, that because it was the combination of like, whoa, 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 wait, you're telling me, I can't have my character to make a TV show that I want to make, but you can use all the characters that I gave you and have not only the Creed 
sequels, but also they want to make Drago movies. And he's just, you know, I get it. Like, I get that he would be pissed about that, but they don't want to have anything to do with the TV show because they're not TV producers, they're movie producers. And so they still, and, and you know, the Ir- Irving Kirshner, he's from, like, big movie era, 70s, 80s, where TV was, like, looked down upon, where it's like, oh, if you do TV, you're dead. Yeah, it almost feels like Stallone was literally months ahead of the curve mm-hmm. because, I mean, like, even though Creed 2 comes out in the autumn of 2018, the year after that, we get The Mandalorian, which kind of explodes any remaining, like, uh, like I don't know, like the, the, our expectations for TV are like, oh yeah, this can be on the level of movies. And I think now like a young Rocky series wouldn't seem as crazy of an idea to have going at the same time as these Creed movies now. Especially like I, I am fairly certain now that the final scene with Rocky here with, with him and Robert, right? Um, I feel that that is setting up his Rocky TV series, because I feel like it was going to be Stallone telling his grandson about like where he came from and like where their family came from and all of that. I think that's what it was going to be. Like a more dramatic how I met your mother. Yeah. Where, where I think it was going to, you know, it was going to have Stallone as Rocky in like, you know, voiceover maybe. And then like, but like also definitely like scenes that take place in the present, mm-hmm. um, like young rock. Right. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but that, you know, they, they nixed that one. Um, Scott, Kershaw's. can I pitch you something? Yeah. Um, cause I had, the, I had, well, I had, I've, I've now have two pitches. Um, <laughs> when you said the Rocky series being like Rocky living with Robert in a, in a, in a place called Vancouver, um, I was picturing like a Why life on unex- Vancouver. Did we ever find that out? Um, no, I don't think because it, it's just that one scene in Polly's room, and it's like he needed to get away or he needed to start a clean slate, or maybe there was like a passing line about his work taking him out there. <laughs> he needed to get away because the cops were looking for him because he was in finances in the <laughs> in hey, 2008. Dad, I, <laughs> uh, I, I moved some numbers the wrong way, Pop. They just told me to do some stuff. I, I got to leave the country. <laughs> you got to go, man. <laughs> hey, you got to go. You got to go. Yeah. <laughs> he has to get to go back. Oh, man. Uh, but I was picturing like a Life Unexpected Everwood style show where it's like, uncle rocky living with robert and like this you know trying to get right I mean, like maybe robert's newly single and so he's like trying to like find him a date um i also <laughs> wanted to pitch you like imagine a amy sherman paladino style show called adrian's yep where the protagonist is like the new hostess at adrian's <laughs> like a rachel green kind of type character yeah <laughs> and rocky is just like the lovable like coach from cheers yeah 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 Cause yeah, that's that's what I imagined. Is it would have been like Rocky bringing like Robert and the and the grandson like back to Philly, and then mm-hmm. like working at the restaurant together while also telling his grandson about oh, where yeah, he came from good. and how when he first came to Philly or like you know something like that. You know? Yeah, because yeah, he could be like, I'm from Vancouver. I don't want to be in Philly. Hey, Philly's a cool place. You see that place over there? That's where I had my first job. Yeah. You know, then see? we get 
It just it like writes itself. I mean, it really does. Like I I I genuinely believe that's why he's so frustrated. Um, is that like yeah, this will be the last time I play the character in a movie, but I have mm-hmm. plans for a TV series, and then <laughs> and then the Winklers just like shut that shit down. And you know, going back to you know, we've talked about Stallone's frustrations with his own career, and mm-hmm. so many times when Hollywood didn't want him. Or at when he was all of a sudden not the you know the king of Hollywood anymore, he always had his original characters to fall back on, and write himself out of whatever creative rut he was in. Yeah, and to now be denied that, yeah, because of like corporate strategic like moves and stuff like that. Yeah, I can imagine that being extremely frustrating and insulting. Yeah, it's not even corporate. It's. A hundred percent personal. It's just right. Yeah. The Winklers, like they just they own it and they're like, no, mm-hmm. they can just stop him. It's uh it it's a little bit similar to the Broccolis, it seems like, with Bond. Broccoli uh-huh. family. Yeah. Very similar. I'm a mixed, you know, on on the one like on the one hand I am kind of happy that or you know, that's that seems to be a dying operation, is it being run by like a group of people or a family as opposed to like an algorithm or like a robot on a yeah up to a computer yeah but then you get into situations like this yes because the broccoli feel the same way about tv because right they people have pitched them on like james bond adjacent tv series money penny yeah and they they nix it every time they're like no that this franchise doesn't belong on television and it's like what the have you watched was, TV? Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> no, we haven't. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, it it it, it is bittersweet. Even I, I think even more so than it was in twenty eighteen, because at that point I kind of was also under the impression this was the last Rocky movie, but it seemed to be ending with all parties being happy with the work that they had done. Yeah, I I was. I remember reading all of that stuff, but I felt like it just wasn't true. Like, sure. you know, because I, I felt like I remembered them saying similar things with the first Creed and then they made Creed mm-hmm. 2. And I was like, oh, OK, so they're just going to they're going to they're just going to wheel out these same, you know, talking points every movie and, and he'll still be in them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it, it just as a final Rocky film, it is it is um, or final Rocky appearance. It's not a Rocky film. It's a Rocky appearance. Uh, it is dissatisfying, I think, on the whole. Because it also feels like everything is shoehorned in in this movie. Where they're like, oh, we didn't talk about this before. But um, yeah, he's got he hasn't talked to his son in like five years. It's like, wait, yeah. why? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were fine. Did you guys watch Rocky Balboa? I mean, obviously you did. Adrian's is in this. So like right. what? We, you know, it, it's like you know, you you could not get a more perfect ending than, you know, that final shot of Creed with Rocky and Adonis standing side by side at the top of those steps. Like that's like so poetic and it's perfect, right. and you kind of can't top that, and so it and all kind of feels like extra. But then the problem is you can't do a Drago versus creed story without rocky like you just 
you can't, it wouldn't make any sense. Like, you would have had to have killed Rocky between the two movies in order to do it and it make any sense whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you don't want to do that because that's, that's, I mean, you know, talking about spitting in the face of Sylvester Stallone. And, um, like, that would have to be a whole movie of Adonis getting over Rocky, and that's not what this needed to be about. Totally. Totally. And so... Yeah, so they just sort of you they wrote themselves into a corner by <laughs> by having a perfect first film that is like mm-hmm. perfect of like like I fight you fight legacy all of these things it's perfect. And then they're like okay, the next logical thing to do is you know Drago versus Creed. But we had that perfect ending, but now we're undoing the perfect ending to tell this other story that like, yeah, I mean, everybody, it makes sense. Like, you know, I like the guy says in the movie, like, this is the fight everybody wants to see. Yeah. It's kind of, it, it's, it's very meta in yeah. a surprising way. Yeah. Yeah. So like this is what you wanted. Cause this, it was kind of the rumblings of everyone leaving the theater of like, well, you know, if they ever did make a sequel, there's, there's really only one thing it could be about. Right, right. It, but it was, but, yeah. Yeah, but then it's like, but then, you know, you get another Rocky movie and it just feels, he doesn't feel as like, he doesn't feel like he has as much life in this one as he did in Creed. Um, He feels a little, a lot more tired, not a little more tired, a lot more tired in this one. It's just like the energy is all gone from the character and it really feels like Stallone is like well I was nominated for best supporting actor in Creed. I mean I can't not do this, right? I guess I guess I can't not do this. Like I got to I got to yeah. do it. I got to play this character again and it, and it just all feels I don't know, just very rote. Rote, um, yeah, perfunctory. Yeah, yeah. Um and but we were we were questioning this uh last time and I noticed in the credits Sylvester Stallone Gets a writing credit for this one. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. And in fact, Scott, I do have a bit of old business to take care of in <laughs> regards to Creed 1. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So last episode, you asked me, uh, hey, how much of the first Creed did Stallone directly rewrite himself? And I was like, I don't know. So it turns out uh, he wrote quite a bit. In fact, he... Uh, during like an Instagram live video when he was like answering questions people were asking in the comments, uh, he said, quote, every word, every period, every comma, every scene I was in, he rewrote. Mm. Uh, he said a lot of the Rocky scenes just didn't quite capture the right tempo. And I really noticed his pen, so to speak, a lot in this movie. Yes. Like there's just little turns of phrases like, What's a light if it doesn't light? Yeah. Or a chunk of the past trying to be the the present. Yeah. Like, oh, like, like, oh, only Stallone could like that is oh, that is such a rocky phrase, you know? Yeah. And that's and that's the thing I, that I, I need to I've never. So full disclosure, everyone, as much as I love Sylvester Stallone, I have never seen a single Rambo movie ever. Um, Not your vibe. The, what's that? Not your vibe. Not, no, uh, I've heard everyone has said, told me the first one 
First Blood or Last Blood. What is it? First Blood? First, First Blood. Blood. First Blood, very good movie, and I should watch it even if I don't watch any of the other ones. And I believe everyone, but also we're running a, a podcast about franchises. And so now I'm like, well, I'm, weigh, I'm weighing it. Where I'm like, do I just wait till we inevitably do Rambo? Or like, you know, what what, what should I do? Um, but uh, I've never seen those. So I, And I know that he writes those. I don't even know that I've seen any other movies that he has written. I think just the Rocky yeah. movies. I don't. I don't think there's another one. But like... He writes other movies, and like I get the sense, like when I see trailers for Rambo, that it's like, oh, this is nothing like Rocky. And so the fact that you're right, there's a lot of Stallone in this movie, um, and apparently a lot of Stallone in in the last movie. Um, but what I think is underrated about Sylvester Stallone as a creator is how talented he is at writing for a very particular character to the point where you're like, oh, Stallone definitely wrote that turn of phrase that comes out of Rocky's mouth that would never, not, never, never come out of anyone's mouth in a Rambo movie, but also like, you know, it w- wouldn't come out of Rambo's mouth or anyone else's mouth. Like would just never be uttered in a Rambo movie. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just, yeah. he is a extremely, whereas like, I feel like you could take a, a line from a Wes Anderson movie and be like, which movie is this from? It's like, I don't know. It's from a Wes Anderson movie. I know that that's Wes Anderson, but like, I, I couldn't tell you which movie that particular line is from, you know, but Stallone's different. I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I, I think that that's, uh, deserves a lot of respect. You know, because you could say the yeah. same thing about people like Aaron Sorkin and like a lot of other writers where you're like, yeah, if I pull a line, if it's not like a famous line, right? Mm-hmm. And I pull a line from like a few good men. Are you going to know that it's not from an American president or, you know, one West of his Wing. Netflix movies? Yeah. Or West Wing. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, I just I think that that's uh, he is very underrated as a as a writer and creator. Um, no, de- definitely. I mean, you think about even like Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. That's that's from his imagination. Like, right. You're going to, you know, you're going sh- you know, to crap thunder, you know, shoot, you know, like, yeah, those were, you know, we're still saying things that before there were anything else were words that he typed onto a page. Yeah. Yeah. And are unlike the fact that he could just be like, oh, these don't have the right tempo, but like, it's nothing like the tempo of any of his other movies, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, like, like it, that, yeah. Rocky doesn't sound like Rambo. No, that's the thing that, and the movies don't sound like each other. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, like Rambo is a much darker, more nihilistic, but trying to find redemption. Like that's kind of John Rambo. Like, yeah. As well, opposed and, to and, like, and, Hey, and he's not, uh, Rocky, Rocky's not like the expendables either. Like, you know, right, that Rambo's not really like the expendables. That's its own thing. I, I'm just, I'm kind yeah, of like sure. in awe of like how talented, talented he is at not just like writing various things, but also like finding very particular tones that only fit in that franchise, but they all collectively feel like the works of Sylvester Stallone, you know? Yeah. Like to compare him directly to another, a current movie star that I've learned plays a pretty direct hand in his movies, uh, Ryan Reynolds. 
where yes i've i learned i learned on the deadpool movies that he will go through his scripts and be like i'm actually going to rewrite a lot of my dialogue or like yeah. bre- break down the story myself because like i want to i want to have kind of authorship over this and i like some of the movies that he makes sporadically but they do kind of have the same palette mm-hmm. a lot of the time where he's mm-hmm. kind of he's been accused of playing the same character in a lot of these movies and right like yeah right. imagine if like his dude from Free Guy was as radically different from his character and like okay, I guess that's the exception. But you know, like his character in the Red Notice movie or Spirited sure. or Adam Project even, a movie that you and I both liked. Right, right. Or then you compare him to somebody like The Rock, whose version right. of like you know, interacting with people on a project is like, all right, I got five minutes, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I can sit here for five minutes and then I got to take a call about tequila. Like, what what do we got? Yeah. What's going on? That sounds good. That doesn't that sound maybe on that one. Uh, tweak it. All right. I got to go like that feels like I, the, the level of like development that he puts into things. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think Dwayne Johnson's a much better comparison because like. I don't know, like Stallone, even when we were, when I was learning about the Rocky movies earlier, it kind of seemed like he was coming from more of like a pretentious in a good way, Mm. like artist, like I want to say stuff. I want to go back into myth or, you know, like him punching up the Creed movies is because of the tempo and compare that to the rock. And like, he's hyping, he's now moved on from Black Adam and he's now hyping his new Christmas franchise. Which isn't even coming out for another year. Yeah. And like he's calling it a franchise. It's not even a movie. So it's like. He calls everything he's, a franchise. Yeah. And so it's like more kind of nakedly commercial in a way that I weirdly the director of Rocky Four even didn't didn't get to. It seems like. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, there was like a there was like a Rambo Saturday morning cartoon. There were Rocky lunchboxes. Yeah. But now that all that's kind of faded away, we're left with just the body of work. Right. Right. Yeah. And I and I and I think that's that's more about him wanting to play particular types of characters that he's interested in and mm-hmm. he writes those characters whereas The Rock is a persona. You know, Dwayne Johnson is a persona that all of those movies have to fit around. The same way yeah. Ryan Reynolds is, you know. Um there's like even Black Adam of that that different tempos mm-hmm. of that personality right yeah but they're all gonna feel like ryan reynolds you know yeah like, like like free guy he's playing kind of a different character that's kind of more like bright and chipper but it still had that sort of that sense of humor parade of cameos pop culture references right. that like you said kind of like a similar tempo yeah yeah hmm. um anyway he's an interesting guy sylvester stallone he really is, is. saying um, there's not a lot there's like, I don't who else, who, who is doing what the kinds of things that he did, you know, like there, like we keep like talking about like different guys who are different aspects of him, but I can't think of anybody who literally does what he does. Like is, is a, a star is a writer and is a director like, well, uh, in 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 March, we are we're, we'll see Michael B. Jordan make his first claim at that that level of authorship. That's true. That is true. 
Not as and a writer, like, I don't think, but yes. Yeah, no, true. And and no, but yeah, I, like, and I've read enough, like you know, Esquire, GQ uh, profiles about him and stuff like that to know that he's always been kind of like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be like, I want to produce stuff, and I want to be a mogul. I want to like be like an old kind of, I want to make stuff, even yeah. stuff that I can't be in, and like Creed Three. Depending on how the public reacts to that, that could really validate him as like a filmmaker. You know, almost like you know what Mo Gibson was before that bursted into flames you know yeah yeah because he didn't write his movies either did he i think he he? did oh he did okay i think (laughs) we've like willed him out of the out of my you know i don't really think of him when i think of like stuff yeah that's true that's true there's also let's see i'm trying to think of other people that are doing that bradley cooper Mm -hmm. is in that realm though he didn't he didn't the the issue with some of these people is like they didn't start low they started right. high, right? The same thing with Michael B. Jordan. It's like he's at the tip top of his career and then he gets to direct something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like, you know, he didn't write something to get there. He just, you know, worked his way up from like a child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's like, and, you know. And, and Bradley Cooper worked his way up from the Midnight Meat Train. Um, yes. <laughs> That's what he called Alias. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jason Bateman. Uh, True, but, but yeah, still Ozark. didn't start low. Didn't start low. Right. Yeah. I I can't was... think of anyone who started with nothing the way that Stallone did. You know, kind of in a weird way, Spike Lee. Yeah, is similar because like he is he is he has been an actor consistently in his own work. He just never tried to. Like he he's he's the lead in Do the Right Thing, his like biggest movie, arguably. But he never tried to become like a a, a star in the way right. that like like you know Spike Lee was never in like a Cobra right. Type movie. And I think I think with Do the Right Thing too, I think that Spike Lee is the lead because it was probably the cheapest option, uh, you know, because it was like a, a a deep indie, and also he was like, well, I'm a new writer, I know how I want this to sound. I'm going to save a lot of time if I'm not having to direct somebody. Yeah, I, that's that's true, though, because like going back to the first Rocky episode, Rocky is not an independent movie. It's a Hollywood movie. Right. So I don't even know if you can become Sylvester Stallone in the, the, the market the way that it exists right now. No, I don't think so. I can't. But but I yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. If anyone has any ideas of like an actual one to one with Sylvester Stallone, um. I, but I don't think there is. I just don't, um, I don't think they exist. You see it in television sometimes with, you know, people like Issa Rae mm-hmm. that kind of rise up from obscurity mm-hmm. through with their own work. And like, I am going to write and star in this and direct this and be my own brand. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know if Issa Rae could have written a movie like Rocky. Now, <sighs> oh, the problem is she doesn't direct, but I almost wanted to say Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, right. <laughs> I don't, Did I don't not come from nothing directs. though. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she directs. Uh, oh, does she not come up from nothing? Uh, her father is featured quite a few times in the Panama Papers. I don't know what that. What does that mean? What she comes from mean? money. Oh, she, oh, she's definitely from like the kind of okay. more posh side of. She's know, like Alina but, Dunham. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I don't know then. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it just speaks to you know his his he even now almost. Yeah. More than fifty years later, he is uh, he is a very singular star in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, okay. So, so, so going back into the development of this, everybody knew like, this is the only way we make this movie. Well, it's like, it's gotta it's be a- about, it's gotta be about Drago versus Creed. Well, the timeline is as follows. Okay. Uh, in January of 2016, Stallone and uh, then CEO of, of MGM, Gary Barber, confirmed to Variety that development of Creed 2 had begun. And like you said, Scott, a lot of us were kind of trepidatious. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know, Creed was so perfect. And wait, what is who's going to be the brains behind this outfit? Mm-hmm. Uh, in January, later that month, uh, Barber revealed that Ryan Coogler would not be returning to direct Creed 2 as he was busy directing Black Panther. Super wild thing about mm-hmm. Creed 2 is that Ryan Coogler directs Creed, mm-hmm. then he directs Black Panther, and it is insane to me that Black Panther comes out first. Because Black Panther was like February of 2018? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's right? That's fucking nuts. <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah, I guess like the last, the special effects in that movie kind of make more sense in that context. Yeah. Of like. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot people complain about those. I mean, I got to be honest. Unless it's like egregious, like the like the like the non mustache on on uh, Superman, you know, mm-hmm. I don't notice that stuff as much as other people do. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I've people. I've always heard the complaints about the special effects in Black Panther, but I'm I'm always well, I, just, I just like I, why are we watching it? I don't know. I just remember like then being such a fan of Creed, mm-hmm. like disappointed that the last like the the final fight between the two leads is kind of almost CG animated. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely, and. And so I'm kind of still, I'm hoping that after Wakanda Forever, Kukla returns to a more grounded, like, I, it'd be kind of cool to see him do like a grounded action movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we talked last last week how we wanted him to make like a big Nora Ephron, like romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely just want him to do a, a, a one for me before he inevitably, you know, not announced, at least as of this recording. Um, Avengers Secret War or whatever. I gotta be honest, like I what I've what I've learned about him, he kind of doesn't. He has yet to do one for them. Okay, like the closest he's gone to one for them are the Black Panther movies, and yeah. even before the the tragedy, those were coming from such a personal place of like that's true. We need to make this. We're all gonna make this thing together. Yeah, so, well, I mean that's true, and you don't you don't want any director to like make one for them. But I I just mean like in terms of like I'd like to see like a small movie before he goes and does like some big grand thing like an Avengers movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, if yeah. he even does that, if he know? even does that, if he even does that, you know, maybe he'll turn Cause, it down. Because I would hope that if he if I would hope that if it was like you know he Ryan Coogler signs on to direct Avengers Infinity King or whatever, like <laughs> Infinity King that. I would be like, I trust him enough to that. It- <laughs> What's wild is you could call it that, and it would probably make sense in the plot. Yeah. He's everywhere. Uh, that he has an in, in the same way that he has an in for like Creed or Black Panther. That it's not yeah, just like, well, sure. time to time to do one of these. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I would I would hope so as well, but I would still like to see him do something, you know, without any special effects again. Absolutely, nice. absolutely. Yeah. Hoping that's next. Yeah, 
it yeah it yeah i mean like wakanda forever seems like it was such a crucible to make that it seems like something kind of more lighter or like more let's just you know go shoot something you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah um and then further on in 2016 filming ultimately had to get pushed back of creed 2 because michael b jordan was cast in black panther Oh, right. That's what held it back, of course. <laughs> Naturally, yes. It's like, well, shit. Yeah. Our our lead is in this movie as well. Uh, um, so in that time, Stallone was working with uh, a pair of screenwriters uh, punching out a story, no pun intended, uh, including uh, Shayo Hadari Coker, uh, who'd go on to write and produce Luke Cage. On Netflix. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's um, right. Actually, totally coincidentally, this past week on his personal Twitter, Hoker shared some like music choices of like, he was like, yeah, back when I was working with Stallone on the Creed 2 that he was going to direct, uh, because that's another thing. Oh. Uh, that was in, 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 in October, October of 2017, it was announced that Stallone would direct Creed 2. I forgot. I completely forgot that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Uh, and so in that time, Stallone was like in the lab working out a story with uh, these two writers. And at that point, it was confirmed that Ivan Drago would be coming back, and it would be because that was the story that he was most interested in exploring. Stallone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a writer, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. Oh, I uh, I DM'd Scott off mic, so we were talking about. Uh, your idea for an Apollo style, uh, like a Godfather two style flashbacks with Apollo. Yeah. And I found an interview where Ryan Coogler or Stallone said, yeah, Ryan Coogler had that idea too for Creed two, man. (laughs) It's always, it's always nice to be like, well, I mean, I'm on the same wavelength as like someone like Ryan fucking Coogler. So I guess, (laughs) right. You know, (laughs) there's something. Uh, So yes, for a full two months, Stallone was the attached director for Creed 2. And I certainly remember my feelings being apprehension. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. Like I could remember at the time thinking like, no, like Creed felt so modern and speaking to like me and like my generation and like Adonis, like what's this guy, what's this like 80 year old guy going to say? Like what, what hasn't he said yet? Yeah. And I'm of two minds now because it's like he is, this is his vision and his franchise. And so, of course, now, like, I I think his perspective is valid and worth listening to, you know? Yeah. But at some point between October and December of 2017, uh, a meeting was held between the brain trust of the Creed franchise, Stallone, MBJ, Ryan Coogler, and Tessa Thompson. And... Through, you know, I I couldn't find any, like, any hint of, like, fissures or, like, creative disagreement, but a conclusion was made of, okay, Sloan will not direct Creed 2. Let's pick another director, a younger director, to carry on the franchise. And uh, Stephen Capel Jr., an old classmate of Coogler's from USC, was personally selected by Stallone and Coogler. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I would like to know what happened there, but I, I I almost wonder if Stallone, like somebody must have like been like, I, 
either Stallone having like a moment of self-awareness or or you know somebody else in the production must have been like this doesn't feel right that you're directing this like you're going to get stuff wrong just because like this isn't your culture and you know cuz there is like a lot of rocky in this movie and i don't mean the character i mean the the franchise there's a lot of mm-hmm. rocky in this particular Iteration. Particularly in structure, yeah, much more than than the first Creed, um, but there is still a lot of like Adonis and Bianca and black culture and a lot of that stuff that is vital and necessary mm. to black millennial set... culture. Yes, like to elder millennial, totally to set this this part of the franchise. Apart from, you know, Rocky and and everything that was in those. So, yeah, I don't he wasn't the right choice, Um, you know, as much as like him directing his final appearance as Rocky probably would have been nice in retrospect. I, I get the decision to have him not do it. Yeah, it's I keep thinking of like, you know, you kind of this thing kind of can't be both things. Yeah. And it ultimately it sounds like the brain trust, including Stallone decided that yeah this is a creed this is creed 2 not rocky 7 right we need to find a director that will directly like hone into adonis's story and i i found plenty of interviews where capel said as such where he was like yeah like i'm the same age as adonis i am also worrying about starting a family versus building a legacy and building a name so like mm-hmm. i was able to be right there with mbj and kugler and kind of tell the story about who our generation, what are guys our age going through right now? Mm-hmm. And like coming from coming up in one world and now finding success in another world, what is that doing to us? Um, and also like I found an interview of Capel saying that it, it, it meant something to him even more so than being on a big movie to be part of this brain trust of like Kugler and Jordan and Tessa Thompson of like this group of black filmmakers, none of whom were over the age of 40. Yeah. And, having the keys to this big Hollywood franchise. Yeah. Like that's pretty new. Yeah. And so as much as like, I I agree with you that this is like kind of a bittersweet and send off to Rocky Balboa. It's kind of cool to see this new mechanism start to come to life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, it's just, it's the, it's the, it's the mixing of the two things. The fact that this is a direct sequel to a Rocky movie. Yeah. Means that Rocky has to be in it when I actually think the best choice would have been just make Creed 2 without Rocky. Like, mm-hmm. you know, make a make a Creed a sequel to Creed that Rocky's not a part of. Let Creed be the end of Rocky Balboa. And I think that's ultimately the thing. That's that's what the the push and pull in my mind on this one is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I heard, I read a few stuff and even on the Blu-ray, there was like a, a special feature about this movie being this Shakespearean tale of fathers and sons. And it's, it's like, okay, but if that is the case, like it is, is, is Rocky, does Rocky become kind of this extra spare character? Mm-hmm. Because you have Ivan Drago is the father who is alive, but a burden to his son. <clears throat> 
Whereas, or, you know, kind of like shackled himself to his sons and like, we're going to, we're, we're going through this together. Whereas Adonis doesn't have his dad, didn't grow up with his dad and yet is able to kind of become, you know, like who is Rocky in that narrative? Like where, right. where, does, where does he fit in that? And that's the issue with the movie is like the expectation is to have him there because how could you not? It's a sequel to Rocky four, but you're right. He doesn't really have anything to do. And they try to like thread something in there about his son and, and their relationship and trying to somehow relate that to him. Not, I don't know, trusting Donnie to like fight his own fights or something. I, you know, but it's like, it's messy. Like it's not as clear as it, as it should have been. And I think you're right. I think the the reason for that is because it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. The pieces don't fit together. Um, yeah, yeah. And and like you said, like yeah, the Robert stuff feels redundant after Rocky Balboa. Right. It's like, oh, you're just repeating yourself. You're like, you're just doing this again. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of all I have in the way of behind the scenes stuff. Principal photography began in March of 2018 and ended in June of 2018 pretty nuts yeah um and yeah capel was interested in carrying on the creed legacy there's like cool little moments where he calls back to the first movie that'll be sure to bring up in our walkthrough uh also worth noting capel big fan of rocky 2 big fan of rocky 5 oh he was like he was like when you're a kid watching it on tv you don't know that this is like the bad one right that's true he was like, I remember being a kid and being like, no, Tommy Gunn's a bad guy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, one last story about uh, Creed 2, like the opening of Creed 2, the opening mm-hmm. opening in theaters, working at the Arclight. Um, you know, when you work in Los Angeles and you work at like one of like the premier movie theaters in Los Angeles, um, people stop by to like watch audience reactions to things sometimes. And with Creed 2, because they do that because they want to get an idea of like what their box office is going to be that weekend. Um, so they'll usually stop by on like Friday nights, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, get I get a call from somebody like, hey, these producers want to like, check out the screenings of their movie. Can you like walk them around to like the screening so they can check it out? And, uh, I was walking the Winklers around, um, the whole, the whole Winkler clan were there and, uh, no Stallone to be found. I was, I was like, Oh my God, if it's still Lester Stallone, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to freak out. (laughs) Um, but I was like, Oh no, it's just an old man. Okay. Um, the old man and his son, Erwin Winkler. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was just, it was the, it was the Winklers and, uh, and yeah, I walked them to every auditorium that was showing Creed and they would walk in and they'd like watch the audience for a while and yeah. Shake their heads. Yep. (laughs) This did end up to this. I don't know if this ended up making more than the first Creed, but it was, you know, it, it was certainly enough of a success that Creed three came out. Fairly quickly. It, it made Creed two made two hundred and fourteen million. I think that's more. I don't and think Creed broke two hundred million. Creed made a hundred and seventy three point six million. Yeah. Well there you go. Wow. 
what the hell? <laughs> I I never in a million years would have thought Creed 2 made more money than the first one. That's crazy. Um, I think it, it probably had legs maybe. and goodwill based on Creed. Sure. I also wonder, maybe it played hotter outside of Los Angeles. Sure, Middle America. Yeah, or maybe in uh, even areas of, of, of Los Angeles that wasn't the Arclight. <laughs> um, right. Maybe yeah. it just wasn't a good Arclight movie. That was a whole we're, thing. There were, there were certain movies that were not Arclight movies where like well, people did like not eight. go to Arclight to go see those. Um, yeah, because yeah. like tickets are a little more expensive. Right. It was a little more posh. So yeah, you weren't like I was like, well, I'm not going to go see like Jumanji at the Arclight. Right. Right. When I go see so, it at Cinemark for eight bucks. Yeah, yeah. Or like we would get, you know, like the new Disney animated movie and we would open it in the smallest theater because no one would come to an arc light to like no one yeah. would pay to bring their entire family to the arc light to go see like Frozen Two. Like it just wasn't gonna happen. So no, it's like a two hundred dollar day out. Yeah, yeah. So um uh, yeah, so maybe it was a situation like that, and it's painted my and my <laughs> what I what was you know right. what's in my head um, for sure. But and it's worth noting, Rocky Four is the highest grossing Rocky movie. That's true, three hundred million, so, still the highest grossing of the series. So like the 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 promise of you know Creed versus Drago the rematch, maybe that that also added to like oh, yeah, let's go see that maybe. Maybe I have a very good feeling about Creed three. I think Creed three is even going to break that box office. Oh, me the too. T- the two fourteen. I think it's going to get. I I think it could get to like two fifty, maybe even three hundred. Well, because like we're we're growing up with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Like Chronicle. When I was like, God, that's the coolest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. That was ten years ago, and. Watching Creed 2, because he's like in full movie star mode in this one. Yeah. Kind of because he knows he may. And it's almost like I mean, this is more of like a movie than the first Creed. So yeah. I kind of do have to be more at, in like my Rocky 3, Rocky 4 era for Adonis. Sure. And I'm just like, God, like you're a movie star. And now coming to Creed 3, he's a director now. It's like, let's go. That, though, that being said, the thing about the about this being more of like a movie movie, mm-hmm. there are scenes in this movie where I'm like, holy shit, he is acting his ass off. Yes, definitely. The 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 scene in the hospital following the first fight. Oh my god! I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, if this were not Creed two, that would have earned him an Oscar nomination. That scene alone. Yeah. Hmm. Um, no, definitely. Like, like yeah. he's he's fully like, kind of. You know, I I compared it to Rocky three and four, but yeah, like. This movie gives Adonis the character a lot more to do emotionally, I think, yeah. than those particular Rocky sequels. You know what else I think it does is it manages what the Creed franchise does that Rocky never did was manage to merge the personas of like, like try to make sense out of like everything that Rocky's done. Right. Where like mm. we always talk about how we lose Rocky for two movies. With three and four, right. where he's just like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know? Oh, Paulie, um, you're so foolish. Yeah, he's just so like, <laughs> he's just so uh, poised and, uh, you know, kind of like hyper masculine, which Rocky had never really felt like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and there's something about Adonis where he is Michael B. Jordan is not afraid to play him as like mean, aggressive, right? Like you know, get what, 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 what are you gonna do? Like get out of my face, like that kind of vibe. But then also be willing to like do the scene in the hospital, you know, where he is completely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He he plays and not a likable dude, right? Right, absolutely. So it it's less like he's a much more um uh I don't know he's a much more well rounded character than what we get with Rocky because of just like the side effect of yeah like each movie you're like I don't know which Rocky I'm gonna get um and yeah like like in this one they uh Mike Jordan and Capel like the movie. Let's Adonis get really like ugly and mm-hmm. like you said, vulnerable. And yeah, this is not a Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, like movie star performance. No, absolutely not. Um, so we open in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, and this in an opening that I immediately was like, oh, this is the opening of Iron Man 2. <laughs> oh my God, me too. Yes. <laughs> Immediately, Absolutely. I was like, "Oh, Mickey Rooney, <laughs> Iron Man too." <laughs> like, a, a God, rush, remember when like, they got know, Mickey Rooney to be in a Marvel movie? God, or that's Mickey weird. Rourke. But oh, Mickey, Mickey Rourke, not Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rourke, <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. Hello, Iron Man. It's me, Mickey Rooney. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the biggest star in the world. <laughs> yeah, Mickey Rourke. Um, but yeah, big Iron Man two vibes. We have, you know, someone who's been wronged by the hero watching his success on a on a on a on a ratty television in, in an apartment. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, we just get we get like uh, the Dragos and what they've been up to, and and we don't learn why they're in the Ukraine, but we can assume because of how Russia operates, <laughs> uh, why they are uh, living in the Ukraine. Um, I once had a roommate. He actually came to my wedding. Um, I don't know if I introduced you to him, uh, but, uh, he, he would, he had a, a girlfriend in, in, uh, who lived in Kiev and he Mm -hmm. constantly talked about how beautiful Kiev is and, you know, it's a beautiful place to be and, you know, the Ukraine's amazing and, you know, all these things. And then you watch this and I'm like, oh, they're, they're doing the Mexico thing. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Um, so Mexico gets a brown filter. Yes. Eastern Europe gets a blue filter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're doing the Mexico a movie thing. I had a weird thought, you know, so like I watching this, it opens in, you know, you know, Kiev, the Ukraine. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm embarrassed that in 2018, I don't think I, I could have told you that Kiev was the capital of Ukraine. But hmm. Now, like a lot of Americans, I've been like watching BBC News all year and keeping up with, you know, the war going on over there. And like my, you know, I've seen firsthand on like TV what a beautiful place Kiev is and and like the architecture and the parks and the people. And and so you had to see this like ugly, like action movie filter. I was like, wow, they are never going to shoot Kiev like this again. Yeah. In movies, because our you know our American perception of it, I feel like has changed forever. That's very true. Well, I, I, I think that I think people, I think I think some movies will try to do it, and then like they'll get called out. But, 
but yeah. Um, right, but yeah, like there's like there's like shed broken windows and like garbage yeah. cans and stuff. Yeah, I mean they just like they found like the shittiest part of Los Angeles, and that's where they shot this. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, um, oh so man, what do you think of Florian Manitow as Victor Drago? I think he's a tall drink of water. <laughs> okay, not to skip ahead, but there's a part in the first fight, yeah, where I think they're like Adonis and Drago like share the frame for the first time, yeah, and out loud alone in my apartment, I was like, oh my god, he's huge. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My man's a tall drink of water, that's yep. for sure. Um, but I, I am, I think the Drago stuff is the strongest stuff in the movie. Um, I actually wish there was more time spent on it. And it's another mm-hmm. reason why I'm like, maybe Rocky doesn't need to be in this. Like I get <laughs> like, or like maybe he doesn't need to be in the whole thing. Maybe he can just be in like a couple of scenes of like, Oh no, yeah. I'm not going to get involved in that. You know, whatever, um, but that's it. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I think it speaks to Stallone's strength as like a storyteller of, yeah, he found this Shakespearean like oh like the 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 sins of the father, yeah is what he what he pitched to uh, Dolph Lundgren, right and yeah like he's able to play with like these these mythic type of character situations that miraculously still like I don't think Creed two ever feels like it doesn't take place in the real world, no, no definitely and and I think that that's you know what uh, that's of course what inspires him to go and re-edit Rocky 4. Now that you just oh, yeah. watch Rocky or watch Creed 2, I recommend going and watching that recut if you can. Um, yeah, for sure. It is I I mean it really does feel like a part of this movie. Um much more so. Um yeah. So uh so yeah, so they're they're in the Ukraine doing their Ukraine th- thing. Uh, they're like, it, it's it's an interesting relationship that they have. It's very Klingon. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to like yeah. skip ahead to our next mini series, but mm-hmm. it is it feels very Klingon to me. Like in terms of like, you know, the father being like. I, I all Fight. I want is to be back and I want you to know what it was like to be top of the world in Russia, you know, and, and him be like, I I mean, you know, I'll do whatever you want. I love you, Dad. And then just being like, Yeah, fuck these people. They're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it, it's great. Their whole arc is just so it yeah, like it might be the strongest part of the movie of like Drago sees Victor as just a means to getting glory back to like the Drago name, or maybe yeah, part of him is like, I want my son. I like the way you put it. I'm like, I want my son to know what it felt like to be yeah. at the top. Yeah. And but then he sees like, oh my god, I'm there. I'm about to let my son get chewed up and spit out the same way I was. But yeah, I have the power. He he puts his son before their the quest for the first time at the end and that's like yeah their moment because because his whole because his whole thing is like i want you to feel what i felt and it's my fault that you didn't get to feel that i yeah. failed and as a result you didn't get to live that life and so like i want to give that to you <laughs> but i can't do it the only way to do it is to push you 
to do it yourself for both of us, for you. I'm yeah. doing this for it. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> I think like my favorite scene of the movie is like they're the part where they're arguing, where they just have the dinner with Brigitte Hell Nelson. Yeah. And that's like, the movie. That's them. The movie. Like they like, they cut you out. They like tossed you away. And he was like, I lost. Like, yeah. He kind of he's like I get it I understand I get the rules I'm not angry with it like you but like I don't want that for you I want you to like yeah it's really meaty I want you to get the shorts at the at dinner like like yeah. you just did. like that's <laughs> yeah that's what I want for you um, there's um, a cool anecdote I read where when Lundgren got the script uh, one of his first responses was like oh my god I have lines <laughs> yeah I bet I bet. You know, you go back to Rocky Four, and it really is just like I must break you, or if he dies, he dies. Like he's right. almost like a Terminator. Right, right. Um, my least favorite bit in this movie, though, is when he says, uh, "I must break your boy," or "He must break your boy," yeah. or "Yeah, my son must I, break your boy." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Like that got a big eye roll for me. It's the trailer um, line for sure. Yeah. Uh, in fact. That might have been the section that the fight broke out. Because oh, I, okay. I actually feel like I did not see that whole scene. And it, isn't it intercut with baby stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's where it happened, is is okay. in that scene, I think. Um. So anyway, so we go to uh, Donnie. Is this a one This next fight? Oh, well, so so like the the leading up to the fight with Bianca and like the the basement oh, yes. stuff. Yeah, it's a wonder. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So Donnie's gonna fight uh Mustang guy, the guy that won his Mustang. <laughs> yeah, I thought I totally. I don't remember that, and so that was such a fun way to immediately, you know, something that Capel said he wanted to make a priority of was really honoring the first Creed. Yeah, and finding ways to connect them to then it's like yeah if you remember that moment it's like a fun like oh yeah i remember that happening yeah 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 uh, uh we get a call back to donnie taking a shit before a fight yep that's good uh but yeah he's gonna fight this guy for the heavyweight uh championship title um which is not what he was fighting for in the first creed he was fighting for like middle middle like like middle heavy or something like that like not yeah. not heavyweight it was somewhere below like middleweight that. And yeah but now he's you know yeah. he's a growing they boy they say he's had and... like <laughs> 6 to 9 wins since creed 1 yeah and it, it, enough to where like yeah this is like the the champion i i love rocky's entrance in that scene where he like you you see him in the mirror and then he comes into frame yeah it's really good. It's it's mythic. It's very mythic. Mm-hmm. Um in a way that like I don't feel the rest of the movie quite earns that entrance, you know? Oh uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh but it's it's great like in itself, in and of itself, it's a fantastic entrance. Um it's just like the rest of the movie like like kind of gets lost with the rocky of it all. And so you're like, well, why do you have that such a great fucking entrance earlier? I don't know. Right. Like if he if he was in two scenes or three scenes, but yep. they were each that level. Yep. I that think it changed the whole movie. Oh, yeah. man, that'd be so good. That'd be great. Uh, I would love that. Um, so this fight um, is yes. one of three fights in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it is. 
good. I mean, it's like it's the least good fight of the movie, but it's it's solid. It's, it's, it's solid. just crazy because he, he gets him in like what is it one round or two rounds? Like it's just so I think fast. It is. It's like yeah. I think that's almost supposed to be like the joke is like oh shit, it wasn't even like a full like on Rocky fight. Yeah, it was like 15 seconds in the ring or something like that. I have an issue with this movie that I noticed almost immediately, and then I confirmed it with some research. Uh, I'm not a fan of the green screen crowds. Well, prepare for a lot more of those in in, 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 in Creed, Creed 3. three. Yeah. I kind of had well, a feeling. With Creed 3, for- though, you're like, well, I mean, there's COVID. So, you know, but like, no, there's no sure. excuse for it here. <laughs> I I'm not going to even say I dis well I just said I disliked it. There's kind of a at times a video game quality to the green screen crowds that I kind of thought was cool. Uh-huh. And Creed 3 seemed from the trailer seems even more of that kind of hyper real anime video game vibe. Oh yeah, totally. Uh how do you feel about it in in Creed 2? Uh I Don't almost, I I I feel like it's not going far enough in either direction in a in a okay. realistic direction or in a speed racer direction um and and I, creed 3 definitely go leans further into like a stylistic thing hmm. whereas like yeah i i feel like this this one it just felt very obvious that like you know we were in a green screen definitely right. yeah yeah i'm excited about michael b jordan being a total weeb and oh my god this. Can you imagine if for Creed Four, if they shoot it in the volume? Oh shit! That would be crazy. That'd be so cool. <laughs> that would be how you do like sixties, seventies Apollo Creed fights. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Oh god. Yeah, I know. We keep, yeah. We keep pitching yeah. Creed Four. Oh god. All right. Anyway. Um. So. Um, so he wins. Yeah. He's the heavyweight champion, and uh, and then he. Uh, I really like Rocky. the way that. Oh, go ahead. Um, when he's like, "I want my keys back," you know, give me my keys back. They find ways where he's got a little bit of that Apollo showmanship, but yep. he he never goes full on like Apollo. But whenever he does flash that, it's always really compelling. Well, it's modern, right? Yes, like yeah, like uh, like a, a, a Apollo's version of his bravado is like pre-rap culture. Yeah. You know, Be so a thinker, it's like, not a stinker. Yeah, it's it's just like it's 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 a little it's different. It's a different vibe whereas like Donnie's coming, you know, he was raised in Los Angeles and it's like post-rap culture. Like yeah, it's going to be a totally different type of energy, you know. Um, There's a this Patrick Willems review that I found on Letterboxd today when I was going through him and he said like my a pack of like middles, like a, like an audience of middle schoolers in front of me were applauding and paying attention and gasping. So clearly they're doing something right. And I'm like, oh yeah, because middle schoolers are like the most nihilistic, bitter. <laughs> it's like, true. That's true. Because you don't you you're you're smart enough to see how the world works, but you're not smart enough to know how any of it works. And yeah. so yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Donnie's pretty cool. Like that's kind yeah. of a miracle, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so he wins, and then he has a conversation mm-hmm. with Rocky about uh, how he proposed because he yeah. needs he needs to know because he wants to propose to Bianca, and he's like, "How did you do it?" And uh, we get this amazing conversation, and I have to say, 
I've remembered this because obviously it's very <laughs> personal to me. And mm. I have held on to this for so long because Bethany has never seen this movie. And so wow. we watched it for the first time. And when they had this conversation, like she just stopped what she was doing and she was just like, oh, they're talking about it. Like, <laughs> you know, she was just so, she was so excited, but uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was a really cool moment. It, it, it's a great, yeah. It's great connective tissue of like, I mean, yeah, we've gone on this journey now at the end and like, I vividly remember that scene in Rocky too. And like, um, also going back to like Stallone having to write this, like mm-hmm. the little bit shattered me immediately. I was crying uh, when he's like, I, I said, I said, Oh, like, would you mind very much if you marry me? Which is like a really dumb way of saying you're my world. Yeah. And you've made me better, a better, better than I even deserve to be. And I'm like, Oh God, like that's such a Rocky line. Oh God. It's so good. Oh man. Um, so the proposal scene. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, I, you, you mentioned I, last week. Oh, yeah, please. I, I just want to say I love how playful they are with the deaf stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're very, they're not they're not like they're not treating it as a disability. Right. Like they react to their to the fact that their baby has this. But then they just sort of they're like, uh, OK, well. It's that's it, it, like with, it, it with is Bianca, what it is, and it'll be fine, you know. And yeah, and with Bianca, it's like a reality, and I it, it's like a reality they live with, and I think real in real life, people do find moments of humor and levity of like, yeah, and then she didn't even hear me because like her her aid was off, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and she just slams the door in my face. But so, also, what do you do, dude? What do you do in proposing when she's like? getting ready like oh, yeah you know like she's just like, getting great. ready in the bathroom he, they find ways for him to be like a, a a big lug yeah like a like a dumb lug in the way that rocky could be but in a way that never feels like derivative of rocky yeah um yeah so two two things uh last week scott you mentioned the perfect like rom-cominess of the the of uh bianca and, and donnie's meet cute yep and here again, the whole little set piece with like her hearing aids off, she turns around, just sees him kneeling, that freaks her out, is like perfectly choreographed. Oh my god, like, it's so good. Rom com stuff. It's so um good. and then something I didn't catch the first time I watched it, the closed door. Uh you know, Bianca and Adonis having that conversation while like the door is closed. Cable found that moment to he wanted to call back their meet cute. Oh yeah, and that's uh, so good. And he mentioned even, and I don't want you to spoil this for me, Scott. But he there's a I found this cool interview. It was like, and hopefully whoever directs Creed three will find another cool way to kind of carry this motif into like the next part of their relationship. Yeah, um, that's really cool. That's really cool. I like that. Um, is it? Am I did I miss it? Did I look away from the screen in like a <laughs> montage or something? Or they don't they don't get married in this movie, right? I I think you're right. I there's definitely isn't like a big wedding scene the way there is in Rocky 2. Okay. I don't and I'm I'm again I'm not asking for Creed 3 spoilers, but like yeah, I definitely don't think there's a part where they ever say like you know, my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
they he keeps calling her fiance and stuff like that, right? Huh. Yeah. I don't know. That's or the <laughs> mother of my child. Um, what I will say cuz I think I was a little bit critical of uh, Bianca and Adonis last week. Um the best thing I could say about them especially in this movie is they just feel like a real couple that you would know in real life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, I love the proposal scene. It's very rocky because it it just doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie about, you know, boxers getting revenge for the death of their fathers metaphorically and literally you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, whoa whoa, no yeah it's just this awkward (laughs) proposal um and then uh and then we get a, a scene where they talk about you know intercut with all of this stuff is like we're flashing back to to the dragos doing their thing yeah. they're like you know training just like iron man too yeah um but uh uh donnie and uh bianca they plan on moving they want to move you know bianca thinks leaving philly would be the best thing for her music career and he's from la and so they've got they've got a place to go marianne's and, in la right so they're gonna leave and he's like well what about rocky and he she's like a grown ass man like what what do you mean we run about rocky (laughs) he's her her words are like he's had his story d now oh by by the way d be adorable yes extremely adorable also also the fact that (laughs) the fact that she calls him d there's just i don't know why i was so fixated on this while watching the movie (laughs) but like his name is a her name is b their last name is C, but she calls him D. I don't, I don't it's, know what any of that means, but I just, well, it's, was, I was hyper fixated on it. Well, it's, it's a nickname. It's a nickname of a nickname. Yeah, because yeah. you go Adonis, then you go Donnie, then you go D. Right, right. But I just mean the A B C D. Oh yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's just like I, I don't know why I was so hyper fixated on that, but I was. Yeah. Um. But also it's, something else, something that uh, mm-hmm. something Bethany pointed out is that you got um, Bianca in this movie, and it's Adrian for Rocky. So they're yeah. A B. So whatever the third franchise is, the love interest needs to start. It needs to be like Callista or <laughs> right, like when yeah. when when uh, when uh, Amara's like <laughs> yeah twenty. Yeah, her love interest needs to be start with a C. Um, the th- that scene between Bianca and Adonis where she's like where they're breaking down like leaving Philly I think I've done everything I want to do here like your mom's in LA I was like god this is such like an early 30s like relationship like slice of life conversation literally had the same conversation with Bethany when we decided to move to Los Angeles so yeah and it's there we go. it's moments like this that I think you get from like yeah having a director and a star that are kind of like going through this firsthand in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, Donnie goes to talk to Rocky about moving to Los Angeles to break the news. This is when we find out that Rocky is out of sorts with Robert, whatever mm-hmm. that means. Hasn't talked to him in a long time. 
um, just adding insult to injury of like, hey, I, I, I'm sorry, you're not talking to your son, but uh, I, I need to go to the other side of the country. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, nice. Thought it couldn't. Nice thought it couldn't lose any more stuff, but I guess I <laughs> yeah, oh, I guess we'll keep losing. Um, that's the thing too is like, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but like Donnie is so mean in this movie. Like, whenever he's mad, he, like, cuts deep. He really becomes that boy that we see in that cold open. Yeah. And that feels like such a thing that a kid would develop as a defense mechanism of, like, I'm going to hurt you before you get the chance to hurt me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go for the killing blow in an argument first. You can tell that michael b that is something that michael b jordan never let go of is that kid in the opening of creed like he's like that's who he is like deep Mm -hmm. inside and he can you know pave it over and 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 build build up stuff around it or whatever but like deep down when you knock all that other shit out of the way he's still that kid and yeah like he he always finds a way to bring him out um good actor Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could just see the through line of like, oh yeah, like this is it's still one character, it's one dude. Yeah. And we get another great scene. <laughs> the Dragos arrive. <laughs> oh man. In Philly. <laughs> the scene where they are at the steps. <laughs> yes. Watching people get the steps and do the Rocky moves. It it was so epic. And yeah. it was why I everything I love about this franchise, it's almost what I imagine, what I hear people say about Cobra Kai, which mm-hmm. is like the ability to make the real world like that moment where they're at the steps, it felt like Darth Vader being on the bridge of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Like in terms of the power of that iconography. Yeah. But it's just two dudes standing on the steps of a very famous museum and not saying anything. Yeah. Uh, I also, I love, um, what is the actor's name who plays Victor? Um, uh, Florian Marantau, I believe. So I love Florian's just like constantly, you know, sort of doing, you know, like the meme with like (laughs) Spider-Man and Miles Morales and they're both doing like the thinking pose. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a there is an energy to him in every scene, especially in the first half of the movie. Every scene with him where he's doing that, he's doing the the Miles Morales thinking pose while Spider Man's doing the thinking pose. Yeah, he's just um, kind of copying Ivan. Yeah, he's copying his like vibe, but he's also like looking over at him like, "Am I like, doing this doing? right? Am I am I am I being tough enough? If I'm being enough like my dad, like." But it, it's such a subtle thing that I I just I it's really good. It's just really mm. good. Um, yeah. Uh, going even back to his casting, like Cable and Stallone were both very vocal about they weren't casting. They weren't looking for the villain of their movie. They they wanted Victor to feel like as much of a three dimensional, compelling dude as Adonis did in Creed one. And I think yeah. they succeed. Oh, yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Um he is uh he's so good in this movie and uh ve- like it's a very subtle performance that i'm just like i was really impressed with watching it this time 
Almost um, as subtle as performances, Mr. Razor Hands or whatever his <laughs> name was in Shang-Chi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Shit. I forgot that was him. He's good in that, too. Yeah, he is. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, so um, Ivan visits Rocky at Adrian's and updates him on his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's around when, uh, like, Victor uh, challenges uh, Adonis publicly. Um, this is all coming from the, the, uh, buddy Marcel, this like promoter who was like out in the Ukraine. Cause he was like piecing all this together. Like he wanted to make this happen. He was just like, Oh, this is no one's thought of this yet. I have, I'm going to chase it down. And so he goes out to the Ukraine. He sees that Victor's a boxer. He knows that Donnie's heavyweight champion of the world. And he's just like, oh, shit, this is money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is going to be the thing that I am remembered for is this fight. Yeah. He has this line with Donis where he's like, you know, the rumble in the jungle didn't just manifest itself. Like someone had to like see it and put it together. Right. Um, I had kind of a crazy idea, Scott. I want to know what you think of. <clears throat> so. This actor does a great job, and he I think he vibes really well in this more grounded version of the Rocky universe. I think I know where you're going. <laughs> that being said, his character is very reminiscent of the Don King character in Rocky Five. Yeah. Duke. And what if it was yeah, what if it was what if what if this was Duke's return? Oh my god. Honestly, I he could have used some redemption too, you know? Right, and, yeah. And and not for nothing, but like you could have brought him back and because he's older, I don't even know if that actor's still alive anymore. Um right. yeah, I don't, but, I don't either unfortunately. But you could have brought him back I- I- assuming he's alive and taken a lot of that bravado and energy, cartoonish energy out of him by just being like, well, he's older now, you know? Oh, yeah. You like, can like ground as... him that way by like just being like, yeah, he's not going to have as much energy as he did when he was younger. Life has humbled him. Right, right. Um, George Duke. Washington Duke. George Washington Duke, yes. <laughs> um, I is uh, Richard Grant, just looking it up on Letterboxd, I, it, I think he might still be with us. Okay, that's good. Born in All 1944. Right. Um, interesting that your go-to is Letterboxd and not imdb or something <laughs> uh, it's like an, an app versus a web browser i guess oh oh see i have the imdb app on my phone so oh i don't yeah um but yeah, yeah no i i would be i would be for that i mean he definitely feels uh you know part and parcel with that guy for sure mm-hmm. um, oh um oh speaking and, of- and also buddy marcel total sylvester stallone character name yes without a doubt true yeah very true um, speaking of Dukes, worth noting that we do see the return of Little Duke yep. training uh, Stuntman Wheeler right. in that in that first scene, which is just That's kind of true. like reminding you, hey, this guy's still still in the world. Yeah, he's still around. Um, so. Yeah. And what, what Ivan basically tells Rocky is like, hey, like, number one, I noticed I love all these pictures, but I noticed you don't have any of me. And he was like. Yeah, no, I don't have any pictures of the guy who murdered my best friend. <laughs> and I also think after he says that, like, Ivan is just like, 
Yeah. All right. I, I mean, I get, I get it. Like, I, yeah. Fair enough. We're not um, friends, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. No. Um, but yeah. So he, he basically tells them like, Hey, so I'm not looking for your sympathy or anything. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from when I get to this next step. Um, Mm -hmm. but when you beat me, I, I, the whole country turned their back on me because I was a failure and, I basically had to move to the Ukraine because I wasn't allowed in Russia anymore because they didn't want to, they just didn't see me as anything they wanted to be a part of. Um, which is interesting because he was, here, here's the, here's the thing about Sylvester Stallone. I think that this is very well thought out, but at the same time, there's one aspect of this, of his backstory that they didn't take into consideration. And that's that he did not, he was not a boxer for Russia. He was a boxer for the Soviet Union, which did not exist (laughs) like three years later, four years. It didn't even exist by the time the next Rocky movie hit theaters. (laughs) True. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that all of that would have like carried over, but I, I guess I don't know enough about Russian history to know whether or not that would have carried over like his shame and his, you know, uh, nationalistic uh, betrayal. I don't know what you would say, right. but like, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, would I, they have made like a, that Gorbachev McDonald's commercial? Would they have had like Ivan Drago being like, this is great. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I just find that uh, hard to believe, I guess, that they would have been uh, ostracized after the Soviet Union fell. Um, like, right. Would anyone yeah. give a shit at that point? I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, because you kind of um, you get this sense from Rocky Four that most people left that stadium in a good mood. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. Like, oh, we all saw something beautiful today. That was yeah. great. Boy, I never want to see that Trago guy again in my fucking life. Yeah, <laughs> what like, a failure. Yeah. It doesn't add. Yeah, it doesn't quite add up. No. Um, it works better if you in the in the recut because they're less celebratory in the recut. Um, uh, okay, it's, it's a little it's a little different in the recut, but yes, uh, it's still it's an interesting note. Um, I'm sure that uh, if Chris listens to this, he'll have thoughts um, <laughs> about the history of the Soviet Union and Russia. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, in any event. Uh, he's like, yeah, I want my son to f- to fight your son, and he's gonna break him. And he's like, uh, okay, man, uh, get out of my restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, everyone tries to talk Donnie out of the fight. Yep, everyone is like, this is gonna be a huge mistake. Don't do this. And you know, it's interesting because the concept of heavyweight champion is interesting because it seems to me. <laughs> Looking at these two, that Victor and uh, and and Adonis don't belong in the same weight class. No, <laughs> um, I don't. I feel like they should not be fighting each other. Like there's a, there's a part there's a part later on in the scene you were talking about where Don, Adonis is like in the hospital bed with a ruptured like kidney or whatever, and uh, he Rocky's like. Hey man, 
uh, good fight. And Apollo or Don is like, don't talk down to me. Like, I, I shit out there. And he's like, yeah, I know. Cause he's like really fucking tall. And you kept trying to like going over like the first thing they would have talked about if we actually trained him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a crazy size difference between you guys that you should have taken into account. <laughs> Which really makes me wonder about, uh, about, uh, little Duke because. Right. Like, as a trainer, like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Why kind is of Rocky the... seeing that, but not you. I don't know. Yeah. The most, it, it, it kind of almost go, goes into Rocky three, four territory when it's like, yeah, in the real world, these two would probably never be in the same weight class or the, the same ring together. Yeah. Um, everything. But... So, so, so all of this stuff uh, comes to a head when, uh, uh, Buddy Marcel has a full conversation with Donnie uh, at Bianca's show while she's performing. Somehow they can hear each other. Like a yeah, it's like a weird like nightclub scene. They're like so, you know, sooner or later, everyone's got a got a price, and yeah, like there's a full on concert going on. Yeah, in the room with them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not a closed door between. I it, it is an, it's probably my my biggest continue it used to be my biggest pet peeve uh, like stupid little pet peeve in like movies and tv shows is when Mm -hmm. people were like holding coffee cups that obviously had nothing in them um okay that always annoyed me because i was just like you just put water in it like (laughs) it needs weight it needs something it looks ridiculous um but then this is probably now because they've they've people have called them out about the coffee cup thing enough that like now they like put water in it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is now I think my top pet peeve of like they're at a full concert and like people are having a conversation while the people are on stage like 12 feet away. Um, and you're like, no, that's have you ever been to a concert in your life? Um, yeah, you can't even if it's anything. like because <laughs> it's like pretty mellow music. But even then it's like, yeah, you yeah. at a concert. It's loud. Um, Bianca's music career is interesting to me. I kind of kept trying to contextualize it. Mm. Like, like, how big is Bianca? Like, is she like SZA big or is it more like iTunes? You know, in the back in the day when you would get like an iTunes free song of the week. Oh, sure. And it was always like an emerging kind of cool artist. Yeah. The thing about. Bianca, I like what I feel with her is that she reminds me of, um, like, because she her music is obviously there is a hip hop inspiration to it, but it's also very techno and electronica influenced, and yeah. so I almost wonder if she's more popular with like dance music fans. And I don't know if you know much about dance music, but there are like there are people I have never heard of that are like mm. the biggest music stars in the universe, yeah, because they make dance music. Um, and the people who like that, which there are a lot of, because a lot of people go to clubs, and I am not one of those people. You know, know who they are. Um, like before I met Bethany, I had never heard of Avicii. Just oh, okay. I'd never yeah. heard of Avicii. I had no idea who mm-hmm. that was. Never heard any of his music before. And then I, you know, Bethany's really into that, that stuff, um, yeah, techno clubbing. and and dance music, and uh, uh, yeah. So like somebody like that is kind of what I'm picturing 
Bianca is like an up and coming Avicii. Like she she hasn't reached Avicii heights yet, but she's because she just signs with a, a record label in this movie. Yes. And the concert that we're talking about was like it's it's like one night only. Right. And so I was like, OK, this is kind of like a House of Blues sized venue. Yeah. And so I was like, OK, she's like maybe not selling out the House of Blues or maybe she did sell out the show, but she's not like, you know. Yeah. It, it It's like she has like a devoted fan base, oh, but she hasn't. I what, got what, the what sense do? that this was a showcase. Oh, OK. I think I like that because she's where, not like she yet. where she was inviting record labels. Oh, that makes a lot of sense to yeah. like watch her perform. And there are probably some fans there like, mm-hmm. you know, like some diehards that she like let in because, you know, you want people to hype you up. But like, yeah, beyond heads. Yeah. But I but I feel like that's what this was, was it was like a it was like a showcase kind that of situation. Sense. Yeah. Um, and that's why that one guy was there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, she gets signed off of this from this from this show. Yeah. Um, gets her gets her record label, gets a record deal, um, which is good. And uh and and Buddy talks Donnie into uh taking the fight. Um, what did you think of speaking of like kind of adorable domestic stuff, uh the scene where like we learned that that Bianca signed is also I think the scene where Marianne totally calls that uh, Bianca's pregnant before either of them do. It's really good. But before that, he tells Rocky uh, and about the fight. And Rocky, he he's basically tells Rocky, like, I want you to train me, but I'm going to do this with or without you. And Rocky has this reaction to this where he's just so adamant about him not wanting to do this fight because he's like, you know, your father died and like, you know, fighting a Drago. And it just, it comes across like Rocky isn't aware that Donnie is someone different and Victor is someone different and, or thinks that there's like a curse or something. Right. Like, like, like a, a, a Drago shall always kill a creed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's, it's a very, this game of Thrones, like prophecy. Yeah. It's a very weird reaction to uh, the situation. And so like, I actually, like Donnie says some really mean shit to him in that scene, uh, which mm-hmm. I do not like. But I understand where he's coming from because it's a really stupid reaction. I mean, I know that it's like very close to him, but like the hoops, the logic hoops that he's jumping through to come to the conclusion that he's going to be hands off on this one are, I, I, I don't know. They're like, um, you know, it, it's like bad juju. You know, it's not it's not based in any reality of like, I know I can I can strategize with this kid and, and you know, we can figure this out. But yeah, no, no. But because bad juju, uh, I don't. Yeah. Know. You know, it, to be honest, both characters in this scene, I don't think I ever get a satisfying answer as to what draws Adonis out the first time. You know, because Creed's like, why are you fighting? You know, and I think it's like, you know, we get like he wants to be dangerous or he feels like he, you know, he he feels like he hasn't earned the crown or the heavyweight title. But then it's like, well, why? You did it. You, 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 you fought your way to the and then and also I agree with you. Yeah. Like Rocky's apprehension. Like, well, then wait, why aren't you training him? You're right. Like you could help him so much. Yeah. Because you fought a Drago. 
Yeah. Could couldn't you? And yeah, but no, you're right. Like they're they're even like both Dragos are very different physically. Yeah. By Rocky's logic, I feel like at any moment he should tell Donnie, like, no, the only person who can fight Victor Ro- Drago and win is my son, Robert. <laughs> oh, because, man. Because you're, he's a Balboa. You're, you're a knock on the door. Dad? Hey, Robert, <laughs> you have to break the curse. <laughs> oh, Dad, I don't know. Ryan Coogler is like reading the script. So. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't think you should direct this one. Sly. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was what happened. <laughs> and then Robert kills Victor Drago. Uh, <laughs> those Win- Winkler sons of bitches that wouldn't let me do my <laughs> curse movie. <laughs> the, yeah, Drago. I wanted to Rocky call it the Curse of Creed. <laughs> yeah, Rocky Seven, the Curse of Creed. <laughs> Imagine like you're in the theater in 2018. And you see the trailer for Creed 2, and then it's like Creed, and then like bloody horror font is like the curse of Creed. <laughs> yeah, that would have been wild. Um, <laughs> man. Uh, so, so yeah. but yeah. Yeah. So he's just like, you know, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting involved. And he's just real weird about it uh, mm-hmm. and goes inside. Creed says, you know, Adonis says some really mean stuff. Um, <laughs> and then, and then they go their separate ways. Uh, they have like, they fight like this in both movies at one point, um, in a very like 21 jump street kind of way, like in a way that you're like, can we even keep doing this after 21 jump street? Like, isn't our, where are we too far beyond at this point? Like, didn't they call it out? It's like, it's like how uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is allowed to exist post walk hard. We are like, sure. Are we beyond this? <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah, you you know you hit the nail earlier. I don't know. It kind of feels it feels wheel spinny. Uh huh. Like, well, we can't have them just be cool the whole time, right? We have to drive them apart because that's conflict, right? And then bring them together. Um. Yeah. So and we know that's coming. So it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, I know what you're doing here. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you're doing it again. You did it in the last one. You're doing it this time. Um. But yeah, but then he uh, he goes back to Los Angeles, and that's when he that's that's when that's when his uh, when his mom is like, oh, she's pregnant, and he's like, what? And neither of them know. It's great. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I don't know, yeah, it, it's a, it's a charming scene in the bathroom later on where they're doing the pregnancy test, mm-hmm. uh, where Adonis doesn't know what two lines mean, but he has to like check the box for yeah. a few seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then uh, we get another uh, great scene with Donnie and his mom. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, yeah, where he's like telling her that he's going to go do this. And yeah, I don't know. Like, she seems to be more supportive in this one than in the last one. I mean, you know, she's still upset because she's always upset. But <laughs> she support. She, she has a. Uh, well, I mean, she actually goes to the fight this time, right? Isn't that right? Isn't she actually, she actually, yeah, there? for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah she's there. So, you know, that's more supportive than last time. Last time she just watched it on TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's uh, the thing I like. Well, about I think her you, per- I think you have to remember like from her perspective, like, I think it makes sense. I think it would have been too much. Honestly, if by the end of the first Creed, she's like, I'm supportive now. Like, yeah, right. I've, 
I've I've worked out all of this stuff about Apollo <laughs> yeah. dying viciously in the ring. <laughs> yeah. And I think her her mood in this in this scene with her and Donnie is like supportive but also resigned. It's very sober. It's like you're a grown man, you're going to do whatever you want. Like you're coming to me trying to get me to make you feel better about the decision you're making and I'm not going to do that. Right. But right. I have no control over what you're going to do. And cuz I think in the back of Donnie's head, he knows that this is the wrong move to a certain extent. Right. Right. There is, which, which he'll be proven correct. Um, yeah. Very soon. Uh, the thing too, that I like about her performance um, as this character is that like, she has sort of like a resting smug face. She like, she always like looks slightly like smug in like a, like, uh, oh, you think you're more clever than me, but I'm about to shut your ass down, you know, kind of way where she always has this like slight smirk on her face all the time, even when she's kind of yelling at him. You know, there's always just this and it's just like a very mom move. Like, it just feels very like I'm a mom who knows better than you and I'm going to let you dig your hole. And I'm going to smile while you're doing it. And then I'm going to put you in your place. You know, like, it's really good. I like it a lot. It, it's, it seems like it's like you have, I've had, I've already had every argument we could have. I've already had it with your father. Yeah. Like 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. It's good. She's really good in this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then... um. Donnie asked Little Duke to train him. Yeah, there's this moment where he's in Little Duke's office and he's like, come on, man, if you're not going to do it for me, like do it for your dad. What would your dad do in the situation right now? And my mind immediately went to that gif of Duke screaming, throw the damn towel. Yes. Like he wouldn't he would say no. He'd be no, don't do it, Little Duke. (laughs) Yeah. Throw the towel. Yeah. Oh, Uh. man. Yeah. And that's a great bit. It's like barely even remarked upon in the fight, but like history mirrors itself in a way where again, little Duke is unable to like stop Adonis, you know, Mm -hmm. from keeping the fight going. And I'm like, ah, this does have like cool little Shakespearean layers to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we, uh, we do the first Drago fight. Uh, I noted that Bianca's wearing a beret, uh, a very Adrian-like I saw that, beret. Yeah. Uh, I was I was pretty happy about that. I was like, oh, that's a nice that's a nice callback. Um, so way to go, costume designer. Uh, liked that, but uh, yeah, he gets the shit kicked out of him. Um, I mean, just I it is brutal, uh, absolutely brutal. It's like the like Popeye wimpy fight. Or the, the the Bluto Wimpy fight from Popeye. Uh huh. Like he goes through the ropes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and kind of like earlier, I mentioned, you know, it's 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 like grounded enough to where it's I could picture this being a real fight, but it would be the craziest fight I had ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and I mean, he loses because he has absolutely no strategy because apparently, little Duke. Not the best trainer. I don't know. I guess not. <laughs> um, man. Hey, this dude's eight feet tall. You're not. 
Mm-hmm. He's like double your weight. Yeah. yeah. But you should definitely try to hit him in the face every chance you get. Um, that makes is the there most even sense. A, <laughs> is there even a part in this first fight where he starts to get the upper hand? Or is it just a steamroll? No, it's just a steamroll. He gets like one yeah. punch in and then just gets taken out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does he rupture? His spleen? Yeah. Or his kidneys. His kidney. His kidney his, rupture. That's yeah, his one. kidneys. And then, uh, and yeah, and he gets, he cracks a couple ribs. Um, brutal. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a real uh, threshold crossing for Adonis in the series because yeah, it's his first proper ass kicking, I think. But mm-hmm. also, there's this you know we the next scene is you know Bianca at the hospital looking for Adonis, and it reminded me a lot of the scene that we both remarked upon in Rocky Two, where it's like the unglamorous aftermath of the fight when they're at the hospital. <laughs> they're just their bodies are broken to shit, right? And you're like, oh, that's right. This is what happens after every fight. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, and so he's just he's in the hospital and it's it's real bad. And um, we get that great performance from Michael B. Jordan in this scene. Uh, and Rocky shows up and it's just like, oh, I'm like, I was watching it at home. You know, I was I was rooting for you. And he's just like, oh, yeah, fuck cool. Fucking real great, man. Thanks. <laughs> I really felt you out there, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and Bianca's just like, oh, man. It's so, so much love coming from Tessa Thompson in that moment of like, she's so disappointed in him, but also knows that it's not the time to like chastise him or challenge him the way right. she normally does. Right. She's kind of like strokes it because he's in the most pain he's ever been in his life. Yeah, because the doctor even uh, says that. The doctor's like, yeah, he's going to be numb for a while because of the pain, the, the painkillers we have, the morphine we have him on. But when we wean him off of that, um, yikes. Like, I mean, like, just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, medically, yikes. <laughs> it's going to be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like, yeah, uh, it's ugly from Adonis, but it's like the, the frustration of like, this was such. A fiasco um kind of in classic creed fashion now that i think about it of like this was so avoidable this was all like you wanted you drove directly into this yeah absolutely um um and it's kind of even oh so so notable worth noting for the plot um the way the fight ends is uh, uh creed is down already victor has him down and then as he's already both knees on the ground Creed uh, Drago goes in for another punch that instantly disqualifies him. Right. Drago. Right. And so what we're left with and what Adonis is left with is he is it's like the worst possible outcome, I think, because he is still the champ. He still has the title, but everybody saw Drago punch him back in time. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and so... <laughs> He punched like, him so hard been... he turned him back into his dad. <laughs> yeah, Whoa, that would have been like a, that would have been a twenty one Jump Street effect. <laughs> oh yeah, he like turns into Carl Weathers. Um, but it's like the worst of both worlds because he it now the title means even less because it everyone's seen him get his ass kicked. So now it's it would have been better if he had lost it because then he could fight his way back up. But now he's just this like paper king. Right. Right. Um. 
So so yeah, it's it's bad. And Victor's out there uh you know, winning matches and like kicking Hurting ass people. and taking names and demanding a rematch with with Apollo. Uh, or Apollo with Adonis <laughs> rematch with Apollo. Yeah. Take him yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Nerk necromancy. That's what the Rocky franchise was missing. Yeah. I'll yeah, show you a curse. He, <laughs> he he clears through a guy on TV, a fight, and the announcer's like, How do you feel, Victor? And he's like, Bored, I want Creed. And <laughs> it's it's kind of almost like Clubber Lang territory. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, it's good stuff. But yet, Victor never. You know, this is this is the period where he like has dinner in Russia and uh, sees his mom for the first time in his life, and mm-hmm. you know, we had that scene we talked about. Right, we get that scene we talked about earlier. Um, all of that happens in this section, so we never like lose sight of Victor as a character and his plight. And it's interesting that while Victor is on the upswing in, Mm -hmm. in the sort of like externally internally, he's going down. Like his soul is being crushed because he's just like, he got what his dad was always talking about, but he's like, none of this shit means anything to me. I don't care about this. They turned their back on us. Like, I don't care about this. I, this is not what I want. I don't want this. I don't I don't care yeah. about this woman. She left me. Like, you know, she's a stranger. I didn't do it for them. Yeah. I did it for you, Dad. Love me. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, that's not what this is about. It's not about love. It's about the name. It's about Russia. <laughs> Russia making like, what? It's about pride. It's about, yeah. And and so it's just, it's, it's a really, like, fun dichotomy of... It's what Rocky's always talking about, right? Which is like the person who wins the fight is the one that needs to win the fight. Mm-hmm. Inside, in their heart. That's who's going to win. And in that first fight, Atanas didn't need to win. Victor yeah. did. Victor was like, I have to win this. I have to do it for my father's honor. You know? Mm-hmm. And... When we get to he, the second fight, he no longer has that. He doesn't feel that anymore, and he loses. You know what's beautiful about that first fight is like, yeah, you're right. Victor wants to win so bad that he immediately disqualifies himself. Yep. He's like so blind with like, I have to kill this guy. No, I have to knock him out. And so it's like, oh, you fucked it up, Victor. Uh, yeah. Idiot. Yeah. Dummy. And meanwhile, I think the reason there even is a second fight I think watching watching this movie the second time, I don't think the reason Donnie gets in the ring a second time is to avenge his father's death. No. I I think it's to avenge his performance in this fight. Right. Right. He's like, I can't let that be people's... that. Or I don't want that to be my perception of me because I know I can fight better than that. Right. So it's like without this... For this first fight is what inspires the climax in a way. Right. Right. And it's also like... I I don't know. Like it, it, it's interesting because if you watch the movie strictly from the perspective of of Victor Drago, him losing like it, it's basically like the first Rocky, where it's like 
but like in a weird Russian way where like he just absolutely brutally brutally kicks ass in that first fight. And then the second fight he loses respectfully, but also he wins the greatest thing that he could win, which is his father throwing in the towel to save his son. Mm-hmm. That's like Victor's version of going the distance. Yeah. And and Ivan is is kind of like the Adrian of Victor's story. Yeah. It it's like in that moment Ivan finally values his son over glory, redemption, whatever he's been fighting for and he's like no because through hardship and through the the crucible of that last fight he can finally be like god look at him he's a fucking champion yeah you know fuck brigitte nelson we don't need her my son's pretty cool and i don't i want to protect him before he ruptures a kidney yeah and also wait a minute we're in los angeles and now we're professional boxers we don't have to go back to the ukraine we don't have to go back to we can just stay here (laughs) like it's fine I I don't even know what we were fighting for. <laughs> Throw the towel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking. Well, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but like sure. I'm not asking for Creed three spoilers. Uh-huh. But I think Victor has big piccolo potential. So in Dragon Ball Z, yeah, uh, Pic- Piccolo was like uh, a great adversary that became a trusted confidant. And yeah, I think that would be cool. Like if Victor like babysat Amara in Creed three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no spoilers. Um, yes, for sure. But uh, it's yeah. Um, so during all of this, like before we get to that final fight. Yeah. Um, Adonis is in recovery mode. And we get, like, that brutal scene where he, like, goes to pee and it's, like, all blood. And he's, like, ah! He's, like, screaming while it's happening. I'm, like, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's, like, made, it's, like, made reality Marianne's line in the first one. She's, like, you know, I, I had to wipe your father's ass, you know? And yeah, it's, like, all right, man, this is broken. it. Yeah. 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 Welcome and, like, to it. Bianca like hears it, you know, like she's outside in the hallway and she's like, God, like I'm doing the best I can, but like I can't, you know, the, yeah. And then there's that scene. And like, I think it's later on where Marianne says as much where she's like, it's his job. He has, it has to start from the inside out. Yeah. Healing. Yep. Um, She has the baby. Well, first Rocky comes out to Los Angeles. He took the train. It took him three days because he doesn't like flying. I- I wanted to say I would absolutely watch like a 10, 15 minute short film of just like Rocky on a train. Yes. <laughs> like a Hayao Miyazaki kind of like, oh, look, the, the fields. Either that or solving a murder mystery on the train oh on his way gosh, to L.A. Yeah. Everyone stay in your rooms. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> he beats him to the punch like he gets he gets the guy before he does. That would be great. Yeah. Accidentally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He caught the killer. Well, I don't know. He just seemed like a jerk off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly like 
wakes up one morning he's just on the front page of the LA Times like Balboa solves murder <laughs> and he just does a double take because he's like holding his newborn baby and he's just like wait what, what? <laughs> Rocky uncle what you do Balboa's on yeah that just yeah that just seems yeah he, he, he's he's got he's got a gumpy and quality to him yeah absolutely um but it's it's a it's a great like hey like i am your father figure i am your uncle so i'm going to like forget we have to have a hard talk yeah yeah and also i need to be out here for the birth of you know my Presumably, like godson or something. I don't know. Yeah. God, so we God get daughter. we get a cool scene. We get that cool moment where they've kind of patched up and they're like walking and and he's like, yeah, I think we're gonna name her Amara. It's like, oh, what about like Becky or or you know Carol, Carol Creed, Carol <laughs> Carol Creed, two C's or Kate Creed with two Kate, C's. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Creed, Becca or Kate. So I just like that he would be spelling it the Kate Blanchett way. Kate. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, but, you know, Stephen Capel said something in one of the interviews where he was like, the Rocky franchise is like, it's cool because it's a mix between hype and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, it like, is. You get like the big oh, moments, you know, but then also you get scenes like when the daughter is born and. It's like, hey, you know, come meet your goddaughter, Rocky, and you know, like that—that's the good stuff too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's. I don't know. That's what makes this franchise different from any other franchise. I think is is the mix of things. The closest that another franchise gets to those kinds of moments, and I feel like the only thing that could make that franchise better is having more of them. Is Fast and the Furious? Absolutely. <laughs> I think. The biggest thing keeping Fast and Furious from reaching maximum emotion the way that the Rocky and Creed films have is that those characters, like, those actors won't allow their characters to be real people. Right. Like, everyone is an action figure at this point. Right. And so, like, we don't get moments, like, like that are that gentle or that, like, real. Yeah, I want you all to meet my son, Brian. Brian. <laughs> Brian. Like, <laughs> like that's it. It's, it's yeah. like, well, yeah, we don't get moments where, like, you know, Tej's dad gets sick and everyone has to like make help him to be. There oh for my him, god, that would know? make it so much better. Absolutely, yeah. But like, they're In- kind of too. <sighs> They, there was a fork in the road because if you go back in that first movie, they're definitely like they're real people. They're kids. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. But now it's like, you know, they, they'll have like the heartwarming like we're on a rooftop drinking Corona's, but they won't have those like those real Rocky moments. Where, yeah. You know, God, that is absolutely what that franchise needs to improve where it already is. Like it's already like great, but like, man, you take that one step into Rocky territory and those movies are flawless at that point, Absolutely. I think. Um, so, uh, so, <laughs> um, the baby's born and uh, they get some tests done and they find out the baby's deaf. That's when we get those, like, the great sort of 
you know, sort of resigned reaction to it of like, there's definitely a reaction, right? Where they're like, oh, well, that's, that's going to make things hard on, on this, on this kid, you know, like, but I really, I really, I felt for Bianca in those moments because it's like, it's another really hum ugly, but human side of Adonis where he is so worried about like, is she deaf? It's really important to me that she isn't deaf. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? He won't even think about it because it's the worst possible thing to him. And Bianca's right there. Yeah. And she's like, oh, good, good to, yeah, good to know that this is like your worst fear is for your daughter to be like me. Right. And like when it happens, when that reality, when that possibility becomes a reality, Bianca looks at the baby with such love and also like, Oh shit, I'm going to connect with you on a level I had not prepared for at all. Yeah. And you know, we talk a lot about how the sequels don't really serve Adrian very well. And it's like stuff like this that really makes you feel like, yeah, like Bianca's just a bunch of part of these stories as as Donis or Rocky. Oh yeah, absolutely. Much more than than Adrian ever was because you know, it's just a different time and uh, obviously, Tessa Thompson's a much bigger star, um, you know. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. So and she's like a producer on it. You know, they I don't think they ever would have let um, Talia Shire be a producer on the Rocky movies. But uh, yeah, she seems to be Tessa Thompson seems to be from my research as much like a part of the brain trust as well. Right. And I think that comes through in the final product. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So that's really. Uh, that's, that's some good stuff. That's some good juicy stuff. Um, while all of this happen is happening, it's been like eight months or something like that. Um, eight or nine months. And, uh, cause he, he did that first fight shortly after finding out that she was pregnant. So she wasn't like showing yet or anything. Um, right. and now we're post baby and they bring the baby home and everything. So it's been at least eight months uh and you know the little duke is like hey i i don't want to pressure you to get back in the ring but like you're the champ and in order to stay the champ you gotta fight somebody or the commissioner is gonna take your belt away take the title away uh because that's what happens when you know you can't hoard the belt like a like a dragon like you you have to <laughs> you have to defend it um yeah that's like that's like part of the deal. Uh, I could set you up with some little fights. You know, I'm not saying you got to fight the big guy. You can fight some little stuff. Get back on your feet. You know, whatever. And Donnie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me think about it. I, I, I just, I don't. I just had a, I just had a baby. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, fair. Um. But you know, yeah. We've talked a little, we've talked a lot of the Rocky movies about how Rocky was such a great one-to-one for Stallone, the actor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's as clean for MBJ. I don't, I don't know if he's a father, but it is kind of, that is a problem that it sounds like a lot of creatives face when they hit really great successes. Yes, they have a baby or yes, they just got married, but also they're now the face or an integral part of this big corporate machine. Yep. And it's like, Hey man, I need I need to get little little Duke's got to stay paid too. Like we need to get you another another project. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So eventually Donnie agrees to the rematch because he just like, I mean, he can't not. Right. Yeah. Uh, And, um, and this is when he, I mean, you know, Rocky agrees that he's going to train him and they go out to the desert and that's where they train. Mm -hmm. Is out in the desert. Um, I wish I had a cool story for how this desert gym was discovered. Uh, Stephen Cable Jr. was just going through Instagram one day, and uh, I guess he follows some fitness or, you know, boxing pages, and he just saw some people training out in the desert, and he goes, that looks fucking sick. (laughs) So uh, the guy who actually owns it makes a cameo as, like, one of the trainers ringside. But, yeah, this is just, like, a cool outdoor gym. It's, uh, I appreciate that it's, like, a very different visual, like... I don't know. It, was cool. it almost kind of reminds me of like a Pokemon gym where it's like you want these different locales to kind of differentiate from the other movies. Yeah. Well, and it's also it it, it feels sort of uh, like a companion to um, the, the, the training in Russia because it, it feels like a sort of like back to basics, like outdoors yeah. kind of thing. But it's instead of the tundra, it's the desert. Yes, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Instead of cold, it's hot. Yeah. Instead of snow, it's desert. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is interesting that, <laughs> you know, uh, despite this fight going, is going, despite the fact that this fight is going to make pe- a lot of people a lot of money, um, they're not, you know, uh, strapping Victor up to, like, machines <laughs> and making him fight robots and stuff. He's just yeah training like normal um yeah he's not his dad right he's he's much more like rocky than being like a tool or weapon of the state the way that ivan was yeah what do you think Uh, um what do you think about the all the underwater stuff the pool training in this one i was going to say what i really like about both these movies but especially creed 2 in a way of the creeds is Creed 2 isn't above being a Rocky movie. Mm. It it wants to play the hits, mm-hmm. but it wants to do it in a way that feels real and fresh. So we get the two montages mm-hmm. with the cool songs. Um, and it understands another key component of Rocky movies, which is like the weird, cool training thing that he does in this one. Like, you like in Rocky Four, everyone remembers he's in the woods, he's like pushing wagons and cutting down trees. Yeah. Inventing and, CrossFit right before yeah, our inventing eyes. CrossFit. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, cool. In this one, he's going to like Adonis is going to be underwater punching because that's a really strong visual. Yeah. He's gonna punch a tire in the desert with a hammer or whatever he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. And I like the I like the sledgehammer thing because it's just it's and like the neck thing. That one really like I was like, woof, that that <laughs> that that probably I mean, I, I, like recovering from that right. probably yeah. takes a while. And, and it's like, what do you even do with your neck? Like when you're trying to recover from that? I don't know. Um, but uh, it, I, I like all that stuff because it it's. It's sort of like they're they're building up his his upper body because that's what he's going to have to use to like reach him. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
And like you're gonna have to like work out your neck because you gotta look up all the time, you know? Um, yeah. It's it's just it's it's kind of it's interesting because they never like they never really talk about their strategy for him, but yeah. the training makes sense, I think. Um, right. Yeah, if that. you go back and you look, there's no scene where like like a Mickey scene where they're looking at a projector and he's like, right. Brock, you gotta do it this way. Yeah. You gotta, if you want it, you gotta do it this way. Like, yeah, it's, it, but it's there if you dig. Right. Right. Cause Rocky is in Mickey. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we get the fight in Moscow. That's the only way that they would do the rematch is if they do it in Moscow. Um, just like old I, times. I love that moment where Rocky's like, Russia. You know, like, oh, man, did he ever think he was he would ever go back? <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, he's like, last time I came back from Russia, I lost everything. <laughs> yeah. He's got that great line back in that fight or back in that argument, rather, with Donnie, where he's like, that guy, he broke things in me that have never been fixed. Yep. And it it really recontextual. I think fully this this makes pre two makes Rocky four a better movie. It absolutely does. Um, it absolutely does. But yeah. And then the the fight is, you know, what we talked about, where it's it's, you know, it's it's much more like Donnie kind of like um holding his own and taking the hits and making a few of his own and, um, uh, you know, surprising Victor in how much he's like holding his own. And he's doing a lot of dodging, which is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Better than last time. Better than last time. Uh, but yeah, he just, Victor comes out of the corner like a freight train every time, and it is yeah, just no chill. It is nuts. It is absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, eventually, like, I mean, Donnie just gets enough good shots in that, like, it's he he's gonna like Victor won't go down because he's he won't allow himself to. Um, yeah, because he's got too much heart. He doesn't want to like. Uh, dishonor his father and so he's always going to keep getting back up and it's going to kill him if he keeps getting hit and i th- and that's why ivan is just like ah, get, get, this stupid kid like he's not going to give up i have to give up for him and it's the first towel throw in the franchise it's the first time that a movie's ever ended like this and it's really cool that the storytellers you know from down the line stallone Capel, you know, the the screenwriters, they knew that this didn't have to end nor should it end with just Adonis beating Victor into a pulp. Yeah. Like it this movie actually needed to end with an act of mercy, an act of love. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh yeah, they finally hit the two, the two kind of like you said, like whoever needs it the most, but they both need to. Right. Right. It's good. It's really good. Yep. Um, and then Donnie goes and talks to Apollo's grave. So there is you mentioned at the very top of the show how you weren't crazy about this moment, but the final kind of rocky tableau right. is he's about to get in the re- you think he's about to get in the ring again, but then he's like, No, it's your time. And we get the silhouette of Rocky with his little hat on, like watching all the pop and hype and 
flashing lights from the ring, but he's like, I'm good. I'm just going to sit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just sort of like see him looking up at the ring with like Creed on his back. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's them doing their best to try and top or at least try and bookend the same way that like that final shot of Creed is. Yeah. Or does. Yeah. And I don't think it accomplished it, but, it, you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a valiant effort. Yeah. But then he goes and, and sees Robert. Right. So it's not even like the final shot of Rock. Mm-hmm. Like the final shot is like Rocky, like awkwardly just sort of like rocking off camera, um, you know, <laughs> waddling That's off all camera. Remember. <laughs> um, is, is, is the, is him, is Apollo talking Apollo's grave? That's intercut with Robert. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Stallone's delivery of you look just like his mother. Mm hmm. Uh, destroyed me. Yeah. 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 And they and cast great the kid. They cast the kid really <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. I he mean, does. he looks yeah. good. He's right. He does. It's Italian Shire. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then and the scene with Adonis and Apollo's Creed, Apollo's grave is just as. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm just laughing at Apollo's creeds because we opened this by you saying creeds too. So creeds too. <laughs> so we've come full circle to creeds to Apollo's. <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of like bookending like fathers and sons. Of, yeah. Like, hey, I want you to meet it. It you know coming coming to this at the end of like us covering the Rocky franchise. It's it's cool just yeah. like having like Apollo's granddaughter now in the mix and seeing how it's like, okay, yeah, the people that we lose, they stay with us and we keep their legacy going, you know? Yeah. No, it, it, it is, it is really cool. And I, and I do like all of the sort of mirroring that's happening um, across the board, especially, but it, but I, I feel like where it gets mixed up is just, the fact that there's like three sets of characters happening, you know? Yeah. Like the Dragos are kind of an afterthought in this epilogue. Right. Cause like they're, they're, they're cross cut is like they're training again in, in, <laughs> but they're, they're back in the Ukraine and, but they're happy now. Like he's not, right. he's not chasing his son with a car and telling him <laughs> to run faster. He's running with him. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I guess, I guess they figured their shit out. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it. He's not chasing his son with a car anymore. Great. Uh, Do you think you might know this, but yeah, like you could even say that, you know, Rocky stayed in Vancouver and was like, maybe Philadelphia is given all that it can. And now I want to live out my days with Robert and baby Robert. And, um, yeah, because they don't even say if, if, if he's, I think they mentioned in Creed one, if he was like married, that he like married somebody. Yeah, I don't remember though. Doesn't matter um, to Robert. But anyway, yeah, that's it though. That'll be the last time we see Rocky Balboa in anything ever again. Um I I mean I hope I genuinely hope that's not true, but uh I have a feeling. <laughs> so, you know, not to bring up Star Wars again. Yeah. But like I remember when Rise of Skywalker came out, I was like, Well, why can't why can't Princess? Why, what if we don't know what happened to Princess Leia? Like, 
What if she just flew off in the space and she just had adventures and died eventually because everyone dies? Uh-huh. And, and it kind of seems like they're setting up because like Rocky is referred to in that Creed 3 trailer, but it's like, yeah, Rocky's a cool guy, but he's not going to show up in this one. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hang out with everybody all the time. I don't know. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, like he, he doesn't have to. It's not like eventually there has to be like a big sad Rocky funeral scene, you know? Right. Right. Um, but definitely at some point, I think they're going to just. It'll be like in in uh, Crystal Skull when they're like, "Yeah, my dad died at some point." See, there's a picture of him, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh, Dad, I wish you weren't. I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm retired. There's a difference. <laughs> Why did he have to be dead? I guess you just well, you I guess you just needed to isolate him in that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, also like Sean Connery wasn't that much older than Harrison Ford. And that was part of the problem. Right. That's um, true. Yeah. Like 15 years apart. Yeah. Uh, you know what hit me? I, I never thought about this before. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark only came out 10 years before my birth. Yeah. It, it seems so long ago when I was growing up. Like, this is some old movie from the before times. 10 years before I was born. It only came out four years before I was born. <laughs> Right? Like, yeah. not that old. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, wild. Um, well, anyway. Yeah. So, but, but how are you feeling? Because I think all of your, I think all of your criticism as far as this, as the Rocky is concerned, I think it's really valid. Yeah. Well, but I think the movie's good, like, regardless. Like, it, you know, it's not their fault that this is the last Rocky movie. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, but, you know. <laughs> um, uh, they didn't know that at the time uh, that that they were essentially killing this this character off. But they kind of were though, because like I found it was it was I don't know like I I found like because there was this finality of like okay I'm not probably not going to be in the next one, but then there was some kind of fissure of animosity. Yeah, and we talked about the Rocky series maybe being a cause of that. Right. I just don't know how much of it is. Because he said that this is probably the last time I will play this character in a movie. Like, I think he, like, specifically said that. Um, Because, like, even taking, like, promotional interviews out of the equation, I I feel like that that shot of him mm -hmm. in the stands being like, no, it's your time now. Like, what else is that saying? Right. I'm not going to be in the next one. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's like it's like a real (laughs) Yoda in the Last Jedi kind of moment. Um, sure. <laughs> God, what if they had in the like Rocky's like, oh Donnie, you uh, dumb kid, he's gonna get himself killed. Man, if only I could just work up the nerve to rah, rock, and then they like force ghost, <laughs> like CG Burgess Meredith. Oh no, that would be horrifying. Um, only for some reason he sounds more like the penguin than he did before. Cause rah, there's... Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> yeah. There's... Why are you talking like that? <laughs> there's just more of that footage out there. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's what the AI took more of. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god, the next ten years, of, it's gonna. You know, we're gonna start seeing more of that. It's oh yeah, get so weird. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of Indiana I, Jones, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> I I agree with you though. I think this is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and 
almost like a love letter to the Rocky sequels. Yeah. And their tropes. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, so it it's weird. It doesn't even, it, it, this is the ending, but Creed three is so close that it doesn't, it feels like we're just taking another break. Right. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll be back like, you know, in the spring to talk about Creed three. Um, but uh, but yeah, originally it was supposed to come out in November, which is why we scheduled this now. Um, but uh, yeah, we missed it because they pushed it back. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 looking forward to everybody seeing it. I'm looking forward to talking about it in detail. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be next year. But that's it. That's it for this this uh, this the the Rocky and Creed series. I'm very excited about our Patreon content for this season. Yes, you are. Series. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Real Steel, a movie I've never seen. Yep. And I've long thought uh, this is a, this is a Scott Corelli movie. Okay. I can't wait to watch it. Um, so, yeah, we're watching that on the Patreon next week, uh, along with the Between Episode on the main feed, where we're going to rank all these things, uh, which is going to be tough yeah. for me. And also probably I think because if, if it sounds like we're not really doing like any big final statements is because that's kind of what the in between episodes are for. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So stay tuned for that. And then in two weeks, we'll be back to start. We'll be boldly going into our next miniseries, um, Star Trek, which is yep. quite quite a mini series it is <laughs> extensive and uh, quite the mission yeah quite the mission indeed um quite the five-year mission uh <laughs> it's gonna so, feel like it yep so um that is uh coming up uh very excited to hear everybody's thoughts on that stuff and uh yeah that's it we'll be back next week with real steel on the patreon and uh between episode on the main feed see you then bye everybody you want to see my greatness best believe my pay-per-view best believe my pay-per-view boy but you say dance this for the rich and famous this for the broken basic best stay on my way i want it i take it i'm on it i'm jaded i'm on it i'm amazing i'm scary so we